0: you pass up the opportunity to spit blood in Joan Baez's face face face, face. I think I earned the right to go on the internet and see a guy get a chainsaw on the face. Dude, my dad was drunk and my mom was dealing with it. Guess what? I got raised by a cookie monster. My cock looks like it's been in a hockey fight. time my stupidity. It's at the speed of goddamn light. I got a bunch of clocks! Hey, what's happening to Mike Schmidt's 40-year-old boy podcast? Is the air conditioning too much for you guys? Can you hear it in the background? I could turn it off. But then you just hear me pouring sweat out of my pores, dripping all over the goddamn microphone. Do you really want to hear a wet show? Who wants a wet show? Who out there wants to feel like they're immersed in a kiddie pool filled with my sweat? That's what it's like to fuck me, folks. If you're underneath me, I'm just dripping sweat all over you. How about that? Why don't you take that fucking imagery and fucking run with it? Guys, ladies, who cares? Sweat gets in your eyes and it's mine and you love it because you look up at me and I'm working. I got my work face going and you're just like, holy shit, how did I get under this guy? Nobody wants to be under this guy and yet there you are. Look at you staring up at me my fucking hand around your throat. Well, that seems aggressive. Hold on. Let's back off. Let's let's throttle down here. You know what? Let's just start with coffee. Why don't we have coffee? I promise not to sweat in your eyes at coffee. Hi. Uh, Last day of fucking school, folks. Who knows what's going to happen here? This is week 52 of episode 11. Actually, no, it's year 11. Jesus fuck. Episode, episode 52. I'd see the, the week word week threw me off. Episode 52, year 11. Uh, and technically it's like episode 59 of year 11. I, how many fucking extra shows did I do this year? I did like episode, bad throat, episode tardy, episode Tarantino. I did. I, I th- look folks, I threw a lot of extras your way. If you ever come to me bitching and you're like, motherfucker, where's that show? Why is it late? How come it's not coming out on a goddamn Thursday morning? It's supposed to, well, think about the fact that you got fucking six extra goddamn shows this year. Think about the fact you get fucking at least four extra shows every goddamn year. You know, so I always do the math. I'm like, all right, 11 years. Fifty-two podcasts. That's five twenty plus fifty-two. That's five seventy-two. I estimated. I estimated that when I did the Tarantino show, I'm like, well, there is uh, the five hundred and seventy ninth podcast from Mike Schmidt. Now, clearly, that's a lie because I've done so many extra episodes in so many extra years. But also at the same time, ha ha! Let's pivot back. In those other years, I've also done rerun episodes that don't really count as episodes. So who the fuck knows? God damn it! So here's what I do. I throw this out to you folks. Who among you is brave enough? to listen to all the episodes and make a chart. Who among you is brave enough to sit down and make a pie chart with fucking colored graphs? Who among you is out there ready to make a Venn diagram and right in the center of it is you doing useless shit for me? That's what I want. Taking a, listening to show that you enjoy, turning show you enjoy into terrible work that you never want to fucking do again. And you're right there in the center of that diagram. I promise you. You know, do me a favor. Anybody who steps up and volunteers to do this, here's my promise to you. As a person, as a listener, as a podcaster you love, I will send you a visor. I will send you a clipboard. I will send you a pen. I will send you an abacus. Look at this. Look at this gift package you just got for me. The 40-year-old boy fucking tracker episode or trapper tracker fucking package or whatever you want to call it. We've got a, we've got an abacus, we got a pen, we got a visor and a clipboard. Jesus fucking Christ, you're part John Gruden. You're 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 part uh army recruiting officer. You're part Anybody who has a fucking pen. And then you're part, uh, what was the other one? Abacus. You're part fucking uh, Aesop. Doesn't he have a fucking abacus? Right? Writing fables. Using his abacus to count how many fables he has about foxes and grapes. (laughs) One. He slides one. I guarantee you right now, if Aesop is keeping track of all of the fables he ever wrote about foxes and grapes and he has his abacus out, (laughs) slide one beat over. Done. That's it. What if what if Aesop only wrote fables about foxes and grapes, but in different incarnations, the fox who wanted the grapes, the fox who hated the grapes, the fox who fought the grapes, the fox who married the grapes, the grapes who thought they enjoyed the fox's company. But after a couple of dates, realized they wanted to break it off. And then, unfortunately, they hurt the fox's feelings. And then he went into the fucking woods looking for other grapes. See, that's really a long title because those fables were short. That's far too long for a short fable title. Uh, and if we don't call this show Short Fable title, it's because I'm not keeping track because we're only three minutes in. I can't do that. I Listen, you know the fucking title doesn't come early in the goddamn show, folks. I throw folks at you again. There's an air conditioner It's distracting me, but I had to do it because otherwise I'm sweating like a motherfucker on you guys as referred to earlier in the show. Hi. So again, it's the final episode of the season. Year, season, season seems weird because that just seems like I'm on CBS with some bullshit after fucking two and a half men or whatever the fuck and you are hating me. I hate those shows. Isn't that that, there's always a show you like and then they gravy train some bullshit show on after it because they know you're too lazy to turn the fucking channel. And that's how shows like two and a half men become a fucking hit. Everybody's like, hi, I like the fucking Bazinga nerd. And then you're like, well, then maybe you will like Charlie Sheen fucking a bunch of chicks. You're like, "Ah, I guess so the fuck i can't grab the remote I'm, I'm Logie. i'm Logie from bazinga jokes i couldn't possibly think about turning the channel uh and then there's sheen lurking and he and john Cryer are doing dumb things and a bunch of chicks come into in bikinis and then uh, and then Sheen goes off and has tiger's blood they bring in ashton kutcher and he punks all of you with a year that didn't mean, make any sense because everybody wanted to make more fucking money how much money do you need to make two and a half men is on for like 75 years right by the end of it they're all in walkers it's at that point it's just three half men Because it's like the kid grew up, but he's still short. And the other two guys are bent over on walkers. That's three half men. And you know you know what I really want to see? I want to see three half men fight 12 angry men. I want to see George C. Scott take on fucking Charlie Sheen, old Charlie Sheen with a walker in a goddamn tiger's blood battle. That's what I want to see. Those fucking guys just line up right across from one another, do a Red Rover thing, and then unfortunately with the walkers, it takes 75 fucking minutes to get across. For some reason, the number 75 is in my head, and I can't explain why. I had 75-year-old men, and I had 75 minutes to make it across in a Red Rover battle amongst old people. Hmm. I'll have to work my way to go ahead and just exercise that from my head. Hi, folks. Let me tell you this. As I have mentioned last day of school and we've done shows this. It's been a whirlwind end of the year because we did shows from uh, we were in Canada. I did two shows from fucking Canada. I did one show where I was alone in Canada. And I did another show where I was alone in Canada with people sleeping in another room. That was fucking strange. And uh, and, and that was my fault, clearly, because we all got Logie and filled up on goddamn lasagna. And then everybody went to sleep except me because I got to do a fucking show. You don't think I wanted to take a goddamn Canada nap? I wanted to take a Canada pasta nap. But unfortunately, I was unable to, folks. I brought you a fucking podcast at two and a half hours. And then last week, as we know, I, uh, I, I threw this podcast football right over them, their fucking mountains. And I brought you a three hour and 20 minute opus with my good friend David Mex Hernandez out in Chicago. And now we've returned. We're back in California. we got the air conditioning on because I said it's warm outside. I'm sitting at the desk. And look, last week was garage band. I didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. Today, everything is back to normal, sort of. I'm, uh, I'm at the desk. I've got my I've got the laptop rolling. I've got the blue lines bursting. I've got me hitting into the red a few times when I pop my voice. I've got my microphone, which is my microphone, not Rick Wellbanks' loaned microphone, not Mex's professional bullshit microphone. I've got my trusty steed, my microphone that I ride. Look, I'm a cowboy. On a steel microphone, I ride because I am wanted. Why? Dead or alive. Uh, I can't believe I quoted Bon Jovi. I'm not a Bon Jovi guy. I don't care for Bon Jovi or his work. How weird was that, that I had to separate him from his work? Hold on a second. Let me double back on that. I don't like Bon Jovi's songs. He could be a nice guy. He could be a fucking douchebag. I don't know. I can't judge him as a person. I've never met the fucking guy. Except doesn't he hang out with Trump? Like, wasn't there, like, a, 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 that's always fucking weird when, like, some dude from your past who you, like, I, I think I kind of like that guy, and then he winds up hanging out with somebody, and you're like, oh man, you're a fucking fascist? How weird is that? I don't want to know that Buck Dharma from Blue Oyster Cult is a fucking fascist. That's a fucking drag. That guy played the solo in fucking Don't Fear the Reaper, and now he's out golfing with Trump in American flag pants. Fuck you, Buck Dharma. Um... I should mention that I have no idea if Buck Dharma supports Trump. I don't even know. He's still fucking alive. But he was the name that came to mind, so why not? But it's always that kind of thing where you find some dude from the past. You're like, oh, Jesus, please don't tell me that Dave Abrazzese, the former drummer from Pearl Jam, somehow is a fascist and is forming an alt-right stormtrooper zine that he's putting out in Seattle. I don't want to know that about Aberseize. Uh Please, I don't mean to malign Dave Abrazzese. He's just an example in the story. Nobody sent him notes or letters claiming that a podcaster said that he was alt-right. I'm not sure if he is. I know he's probably sad. Because he used to be in Pearl Jam and now he's not anymore, and then he has to see them fucking touring with Matt Cameron from Soundgarden. Who, honestly, if you're in Soundgarden and then they say, "Hey, you want to be in Pearl Jam?" Don't you got to go? Eh, you know what? I'm already in a good Seattle band. And they're like, "Your singer's dead," and he's like, "You got to be like, yeah, you know what? I got to hang it up." Then I I, I think at that point you're just being greedy. That's uh, what do you? What's next? Are you going to be in all the fucking bands from Seattle? Are you going to be in Mother Love Bone? Are you going to be? Check this. Are you going to be in Mother Love? and then bone, and then get them all together and be in the mother love bone? Is that what you're going to do? Are you going to go ahead and be in mud, honey? Check this. Are you going to be in mud and then honey? Maybe you're in mud mother. Maybe you're in mud love bone. Maybe you're in love mother, mud honey bone. I don't know how you're fucking handling your business up in Seattle, you fucking grunge assholes, but still, if you're Matt Cameron, have the decency to let Dave keep a fucking job, man although I don't know the truth. I think they fucking booted him out. I think Aberzazie got the boot because of his fucking moppy hair and his soul patch. They're like, out! We're, we're bringing this band into the 2000s, man! Soul patch and moppy hair are out! Uh, I should tell you this, too, by the way. There are people here. So that was what I was getting to, is the point I'm in Los Angeles uh, doing a show, and uh, there are two guests in the, uh, it seems ridiculous to say studio, because this is not a fucking studio. Again, it's a house. It's an apartment. Uh, it's not a house. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not one of the new breed of popular podcasters that variety magazine has dubbed the new revolution or whatever the fuck I just saw about last week. I said, did you you see that variety magazine? And look, I have to remember that nobody else has Twitter other than me and shitbags. So nobody knows what I'm fucking talking about, but on Twitter last week, uh, and also it went around uh, in social media, um, variety magazine had Conan O'Brien on the cover of their magazine. And they said, ah, This new thing called podcasting that Conan invented has taken off. And, uh, of course, a lot of podcasters like myself and Dave Anthony and my good friend Jim Pardo and everybody, we were just kind of like, hmm, that's all right. It took it took Conan interviewing Dana Carvey and Will Ferrell for you to notice that this was existing. This is now you're on board with this niche entertainment that now has 8 billion fucking shows. And I don't look, I don't expect Variety to call me. I don't know. What if they did? What if they put me on the cover as the, the king of the new vanguard of podcasting? That would be fucking ridiculous, right? And you know who gets mad at that? Right now, I'll tell you what, this is, this is a terrible time to be Dave Abrazzese because now I'm about to hit the fucking big time with the show that slags him and his moppy hair and his soul patch. People are fucking furious at me, uh, particularly the Abrazzese family. Uh, is there a family? Could there be possibly? It sounds like a crime family. Maybe he's out there. He's like fucking Vincent the Chin Gigante and Dave Ebrazezi wandering around in fucking roves, pretending to be crazy, pulling out fucking hits on noodle houses. Uh all right. So I I uh I'm a podcaster. I've been a podcaster for a very long time, but I'm glad to hear that finally uh podcasting is becoming a thing and people are gonna take notice of it, just as I'm on my way out. That's the best part, too. I'm I'm in double digits. I'm next year is an even dozen years of doing this along with the one for Pardo. So you want to I so uh this year was the lazy baker. And, uh, we're coming up on an actual dozen, but if you, if you count in my, uh, my one year with Jimmy and never not funny along with the 11 that I've done, I guess I've already done a dozen. So we are heading straight towards a, an enthusiastic baker. I'm going to go ahead and rename it that If the 11 is the lazy baker. I go 13 is an enthusiastic baker. That's a guy who really wants you to like his fucking donuts or bagels or rolls or croissants or eclairs or cookies or whatever comes in increments and numbers that he can put in a goddamn box uh there are people in my house and they hate this show they could not be laughing less and staring at their fucking computer screens like literally it is so unnerving this is the last live show i ever do live show technically that seems like a weird thing but also now see by saying this it makes them think oh should we do a laugh no don't please don't and don't do that don't notice me at all please don't look at me no she i'm a i'm hideous Uh, we have two lovely people here to, uh, I would call them friends of the show. Perhaps I would even call them benefactors of the show. I would call them my friends. I would call them listeners. I would call them lovely people. One of them has been listening from since never not funny days. And one of them, uh, he's just come upon me recently and he's, he's binged me incessantly, which is great. And it makes me very happy and I'm proud and grateful and humble that they're my friends and listeners and that they wanted to attend this, uh, this historic, (laughs) (laughs) that's a word that doesn't belong here at all uh, final show of year 11. Uh, and it's our good friends. I will say their names. As you know, one of them is Ahmad with a seven plunged into the middle in lieu of an H. Uh, he is here from Kuwait. He has come to visit. He is staying, he is hanging out. He is not staying with me. Ahmad, uh, I offered, I was like, Hey dude, where are you staying? You want to stay at my place? And he's like, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. And I said, okay, great. And then he booked a dumpster in Burbank. I, I like, he could not be less excited to be anywhere near me he wanted to make sure that I had to shuttle him to and fro. And I don't blame him. Look, I certainly work for the guy. I mean, I am at this point, these two guys in this room right now, I am an indentured servant to the two of them. There's no way I could pretend that they are just listeners or fans or friends. I owe these guys so much. It's ridiculous. So I'm happy to do anything that they ask. Uh, but I offered him a place to stay and he's just like, ah, you know, I'll take a look. And then he literally booked a toilet in Burbank. I mean, I, I don't know. He's this is not true. or I'm sorry. This is totally true. I'm not kidding. He is sleeping up, standing up in a porta potty in Burbank. That's that's where he stays. And he had to book it. He actually had to, that was an Airbnb. It was an Airbnb that he went ahead and found. It's a porta potty in Burbank on North Hollywood Way, and he literally stands up it and fucking sleeps. And I drop him up every night. And I go, dude, I actually you could use my bed, like, and I'll sleep on the couch. He's like, nope, this is fine. Because he needs that, like, 12-hour buffer away from me and my fucking nonsense. He's just like, yeah, no, I come to town. And so he goes and look, that's fine. Maybe there's good Wi-Fi in the fucking porta potty. I don't know. It's certainly better than the Wi-Fi here in my goddamn house. I'll tell you that. And he goes in there and he watches football. He watches his soccer team, his Juventus. He watches his Italians as they run up and down in their blue jerseys and they get things done. Uh, but he's away from me. But he, he uh, again, I was more than willing to let him stay at my place. I'm like, hey, dude, whatever. Because last time he was here again, he booked another hotel that was a little closer to me and it was a little nicer, I think. Was it nicer? The last one? Very much. It was very much nicer. OK, yeah, because I, this is this is the kind of place where you're in bed and you hear like a ping. And it could have been like a rock ricocheting off your window or a bullet ricocheting off a street sign. Like it's that kind of a joint. And I know you're thinking, well, fucking Burbank, isn't that beautiful downtown Burbank at the Tonight Show and all that other bullshit? And it's like, yeah, there are portions of Burbank that are oh, fucking awesome. But then this place is just it's not exactly a war zone, but, you know, I would call it a police action zone. Maybe we can call it a police action zone, possibly. Uh, it's just it's just a lot of, uh, you know, I got like I went last night because here's all right. This is when you know it's a bad hotel, and you always know this. I dropped him off last night at 12:30, I think, at his place. We both, because we both fucking fell asleep in my house, and uh, his head on my shoulder. We drank some more milk and we had a nap. And then I took him to his place. Uh, and he, you know, it's a bad hotel when there's just like a family of five in the parking lot at 12:30 in the morning, like for no reason. They're just talking. And then another group of people come walking out of the back of the hotel where you don't think there are any. Look, I don't think there's anything in the back of the hotel. I think they're just like just garbage and opportunity and that's what's in the back of the hotel and they were back there scuffling and searching trying to make a deal or a fucking I don't know if somebody's buying fucking Kevlar or if they're selling I don't know I have no idea but I know Ahmad is directly in the fucking center of it and he's he's just he's there he's getting it done he's taking care of it. that was better than staying at my goddamn apartment. Uh, so I, I, so I drop him off, you know, when he stays there, but anyway, he's a very nice man. I'm very happy that he's here. And so, uh, Ahmad is our lovely friend who decided not to stay with me, but, but so if he does not, make I'm going to say this out there now to anybody in Kuwait listening. If, if Ahmad does not make it back, I had nothing to do with it. He went ahead and chose his fate. He went ahead and he stayed over at this fucking Thunder Dome. They're calling a travel lodge. And he's like, yay. And I'm like, all right. And then the first dude, and get this, listen to this bullshit. He tells me it's a bad joint, right? So I'm like, well, dude, you can crash at my house. And I go, towels are in here. If you want to take a shower, whatever the fuck you want to do. He's like, cool. So the first day I go to pick him up, uh, I texted him and he didn't answer. So I go up to his door and I knock on his door. His fucking door just opens. It just, it opens into his room. And and he's like, hey. And I'm like, what the, does the fucking lock not work? And he's like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I guess it doesn't. Maybe it does. And I'm just like, what the, are you going to die? I can't have you dying on me. Don't you don't die on me, and so I he's every night I I feel I mean, he's like my son because I text him. I'm like, make sure that door is locked, son. And he's like, OK, you know, I'll make sure. And he fucking twists the lock in his deadbolt and then he hides in the fucking dark and just wonders what's going to the morning will bring what the what what the shrieks in the night will do to him as he tries to get some fucking form of sleep. Um but he's joined me, and he's here all week, and I'm, and I'm glad that he's here uh, enjoying the show. Uh, well, I'm mean, glad he's here playing World of Warcraft. While I do the show, I record the show, which is fine. Uh, which, by the way, I'm going to be playing World of Warcraft soon. That's right. I, I'm, You know, I have a Twitch channel. If you're not aware of that, twitch.tv slash Mike. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy, I believe it is. And starting, I'm recording this on Monday. Yeah, I know. I usually record on fucking Wednesday or Thursday and whatever the fuck. But we had to get a show done. And the only reason, the only way these guys could both be in town while I did this was on this particular Monday. So um, I start World of Warcraft tomorrow, I hope. It depends on how long it takes to download servers and all that kind of shit. And then I have to pick a character. I have to pick who I'm going to be. Dudes, again, I'm 52 years old. This is episode 52. And I'm about to say a sentence to you that I haven't thought I would ever utter since the age of 13. I'm going to be a mage. I think I might be a warrior, or a paladin. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to be. I, I I was talking to my buddy, John, who's a World of Warcraft expert. And by expert, I mean nationally ranked, which just sounds sad, right? Doesn't that sound sad? But it's true. Uh, he's a beautiful man in real life. And yet he has an online uh, life that, that other that children would envy and good for him and he told me, he's like, all right, he sent me a video, and he's like, I think, you know, if you want to be a warrior, they've got this, but if you want to be a priest, you can heal yourself, and then I advanced that information to our friend Ahmad, and Ahmad's like, you should be a mage, and again, because I implicitly trust Ahmad, who has somehow managed to stay alive in a death trap, I figure he's the luckiest man with the best advice, so I'm going to go ahead and be a mage, as far as, him, uh, as, as he says, and I'm concerned, so look for me on World of Warcraft, I'll be a uh, Ned it's a mage. Don't you, you can pick your name? Some dumb name. I got to pick some stupid fucking, you know, Carl the Soothsayer or some fucking horseshit. I don't know. Fucking Magic Hands Wilson. I'll be some, one of these idiots. So I'm, I'm going to be that person because a mage is like a magical dude. Right. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, Magic Hands Wilson works. I think I could be Magic Hands Wilson. Uh, all right. We're Magic Hands Wilson will be my character in World of Warcraft. We've named him organically. Uh, he's not Skinless Jones. He's not. He's not fucking. Uh, what was it? was that one guy? Fire Th- Flamethrower Jenkins. We had him in a game, I think. Uh, but what it, So I just said magic hands Wilson. That's who I'm going to be. So please make, make a note of it. When we create the character, I will be a mage. I will be magic hands Wilson. So please join me in my realm. Is that in a realm? It's a realm. I continue to look for help and something. I'm, not, I'm just, it's going to be dudes again. I'm a 52 year old man. And for some reason I'm going to be a mage in a realm. Jesus fucking Christ. You know, who's proud of me right now. 13 year old me hanging out in Mike Scott's basement. And doing fucking dares and detentions with our goddamn fucking yearbook and having Dave Rizelle rape you in the bathroom. Uh, by the way, if Dave Rizal listens to this, Dave, I'm sorry that you were used as that that character in our, our game a lot of the times. Dave Rizal's a nice guy. We like Dave. But inevitably, there would be a thing where it's like, all right, Dave Rizal comes to your house. What do you do? Oh, I let him in. I like Dave. Dave rapes you in the hallway. No. Oh, unfortunate. How does Dave rape me? He's my pal. Uh, and then and then you're forced to go to school and still have two classes with Dave and look him in the eye because again, dares and detentions, there's no police, there's no law, there's no order. It's just you and Dave Roselle and tears and sadness. That's all that there is. It's a foyer you never want to reenter as Dave Rozelle entered your foyer in that foyer and it was not good for you or anybody else. Uh, <laughs> so so Ahmad is here and he's going to help me become a World of Warcraft. I I, I need help. Look, folks, I can't just become a mage on my own. I need help becoming a mage. I need to boost up. Everybody needs mage assistance. I need. I need to call mages. Are us and Ahmad works for them. Damn it. He's bringing and also he's from the Middle East, so he's like a wizard anyway. He's got like a fucking robe and a crazy hat with fucking moons and stars on it. You ever see Fantasia? That that uh, fucking uh, Mickey Mouse. He's Persian in that movie. He's like a fucking. He's like whoa. Look at this. Because I, I and this is totally true. I went to Kuwait sentient brooms everywhere. They're just fucking sweeping everything because there's sand all over the fucking place. And rather than bringing Indians and Pakistanis to do all the work, they said, you know what? We're fucking wizards. What are we doing here? I'm half a fucking mage already. Poof, brooms doing the job that a fucking hundred Indians and Pakistanis were doing before. And uh, But I will say this, though. The brooms paid the exact same wage as the Indians and Pakistanis and sending all of their money back to Broomistan, which is fantastic because, I mean, look, Broomistan's not going to get it done on their own. They need the money that comes in from all of their fucking domestic services they perform for Kuwait heading over to brumistan ladies and gentlemen is it brumistan or brumistan I I, I flew over it I Stan. Stan okay well it's brumistan and I'm gonna tr- look the Kuwaitis that's in their neck of the woods uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and trust my friend Ahmad uh who's who knows that it's brumistan I thought it was brumistan say again it could be you can produce it either way See, but I don't want to be an ugly American, because then I'm going to get off the plane. See, you might be fucking with me, because then I get off the plane in Broomistan, I'm like, ha-ha, I'm so happy to be in Brumistan, and they're like, oh, you fucking dick, Brumistan, <laughs> and they sweep me back on the plane and send me back to fucking America. Fuck that, man. How dare you try to get me jumped by a, by a rogue gang of sentient brooms? I'm furious at you right now. You fucking tricked me into nothing. All right, so uh but that's what Ahmad does he's an imp he's kind of an imp I I won't I won't lie he's kind of an imp he's a wizardly imp in a robe with a fucking magic hat and he's got this is strange because I looked at the hat first and it was like stars and moons and green clovers and blue diamonds and I went holy fuck he's a leprechaun but it turns out he's more of an imp uh so he's here and it's exciting to have him here as he plays World of Warcraft and plays uh, this throwback version I don't know I is it fun Are you having fun or you still in queue It's not fun for him yet. But also, again, because games have advanced. Because this will be totally new for me. Because Ahmad played World of Warcraft forever. So he knows it in and out, back and forth. But for me, it'll be totally new. I'll be like, ha-ha, it's me, Magic Hands Wilson. And I'm a mage. And yay. And then there, I'm sure someone will come up and be like, forsooth. And then stab me in the eye with a fucking dagger. Which will suck. And then I'll have to cast a, you know a, a literally eye-saving spell that'll fucking make sure I stay alive for at least one more minute and then another will come up and go hark and he'll fucking hit me in the neck with a goddamn hatchet and I'm fucking out. I don't want to get a hatchet in the neck and a dagger in the eye. Uh, you know what? But I'll tell you what. I, I make this promise to you. Magic Hands Wilson. If somebody comes up and stabs him in the eye with the, uh, with the dagger, I will... Kill that character off, not revive him, and the next day I will be a paladin named Dagger-Eye Dave. That's how it goes. I will be Dagger-Eye Dave, although I want to be Hatchet next Steve. That'll be fucking cool, too. Look at all these fucking guys. Dudes, I'm taking over this game. Do me a favor. If you're in my realm, stick a dagger in my eye so it can be Dagger-Eye Dave, and then if that guy dies, we've got Hatchet next Steve on deck. I am set up for the next fucking year in World of Warcraft, ladies and gentlemen. You can't fucking handle my title. Who wants to step up to my mage? Magic Hands Wilson, Hatchet Next Steve, Dagger Eye Dave. Bring it on, baby. That's a hat trick of fucking nobody wants to deal with. All right. Uh, So hi, I'm here again. I got to stop saying hi. I should just name this show hi because I said hi three different times to reboot. You know why? Because when I'm alone, I don't feel like I need to reboot. But when there are people in the room, for some reason, I feel like I need to reboot. Uh, And even because I'm interrupting their, their lovely chat right now, they're over there whispering about how they can fucking slip out and I don't notice, which is fine. I get that. Last time last time anybody's in the fucking room with me doing this fucking show, unless it's a professional laugher like my previous producer, she's she can do it because um, she she genuinely found me funny for like six years. That was fucking awesome. And and then she stuck it out another three, which was great. looking at her fucking phone and you know <laughs> fucking filing her nails and flexing her goddamn hip. Uh, all right, folks, so the other person in my house right now who's here who's lurking, who's sitting in a chair. And here's the thing. This is totally true. He got in and I'm like, look, dude, I don't know where you want to sit for this because I have I have like I was going to give him the office chair, I thought, but I was like, I don't know if he'd like that. I have a fuck up chair. All right. I'm going to (laughs) I'm just going to say this. I said, oh, I don't know where you want to sit. I go, you can sit over there because I have a big overstuffed purple chair. I go, you can sit there and just watch from there if you want because I was sitting in another chair. I have another armchair in my be- in my living room. And I said, or you can sit in this chair because I'll be over at the desk. If you want, you can sit in this chair and we can turn it towards me and you can kind of watch me do the show or whatever you want to do. I said, also, I have a chair in my bedroom, but I don't think it would be comfortable for you. And uh, he's like, oh, and I said, yeah, because it's kind of a vinyl chair and it has like these flecks of it's like it's shedding, basically. It's it needs to be go- going in the trash, but I don't have a replacement chair for my room yet. Um, but I threw it out there as an option, but I, I, I was hoping he wasn't go, well, I'll take a look at that chair in the bedroom because I. Uh, I should have never brought it up because he wasn't going to be allowed to use the chair in the bedroom because that is truly my jerk off throne. And I couldn't possibly have him sitting in that while I did the goddamn show, because uh, as I've mentioned, uh, you know, look, here's how I handle my business. This is the desk. This desk is for business. The desk I'm sitting at right now. But the desk in the bedroom is for business. If you know what I'm saying, there's another laptop in there. It's all locked up. I get, I get in there and I go and I, I pull up my, I get in my incognito window. I've got my, I've got a placard over my camera so nobody can see me enjoying myself. And I just take care of fucking business. But, uh, but when I offered it, like literally it was coming out of my mouth to Jeremy, I'm like, Hey, I have another root chair in the bedroom. And in my head, I'm going, that's, you're going to give him the jerk off throne. You can't give him the goddamn jerk off throne. Uh, because just say, just say, something cataclysmic happened to the jerk-off throne. Just say Jeremy was so overwhelmed by me and my incredible nonsense that he laughed himself silly and then he toppled over and he smashed the jerk-off throne into kindling. What, what would I do? I wouldn't know what to do. Then I get a jerk-off standing up in the other room. I can't fucking do that. I can do that in the shower, but that's, a, that's not a pleasant for anybody, particularly my neighbor who gets to look into my goddamn shower. Uh, I, I got a feeling I've been watched. I got a feeling somebody's watched me jerk off occasionally. And I've got a feeling I've made it very evident to them that I was jerking off. And I made sure, yeah, you know, I got a feeling I made sure that somebody watched me jerk off. I, you know what? I jerk off the pool. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've actually had sex in my pool. That's probably not the, the word best thing to say to when it's an apartment complex and it's shared by everybody. I've had sex a couple of times in my pool. Uh, and, and I'll tell you this a few of the times there was actually somebody with me. That was goddamn perfect. Uh, but leading up to that, I went, you know, cause look, you got to get in there. You got to jump in by yourself. It's like, it's this, it's the equivalent of, uh, getting to an arena an hour early to make sure that you can, you get the feel of the place. Right. So I, if I do going to make sure I could perform in the pool. So I jump in and I ran off a couple of batches and I'm like, all right, I can get this done. And then you bring somebody else over and you invite them into the pool with you. Uh, you just have to quietly jerk off in the pool. And, uh, and by the, that's, that's literally going to be a chapter in one of my books, how to quietly jerk off in a pool. Uh, so the, the other person who's here, who is, uh, by the way, there's another chapter of that book, how to loudly jerk off in a pool. And that is, look, honestly, that's just two pages. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, because very rarely do you want to loudly jerk off in a pool unless it's your pool. Uh, and then, oh, but here's, I will say this. There's another chapter in my book, never jerk off in an infinity pool because it is just constantly being churned in and you're just in there with yourself and your fucking future babies at all times just caressing your body it's fucking gross because isn't infinity pool water just goes round and round right it just gets worked in okay cool yeah don't jerk off in an infinity pool because then you just have to live there forever because at least if you jerk if i jerk off in my pool now there's a fucking half a surfer beach bum idiot who comes over every monday for 60 bucks and cleans my cum out of the pool good for him what a life you've carved out for yourself sir I hope he thinks that every time he skims that net across the surface, he goes, you know what? I wish I'd have gone to fucking college. So I wasn't scooping out 52 year old fucking spooge out of this goddamn pool. This dude's throwing ropes in the deep end. I'm pulling him out of the fucking shallow end on Monday. What the fuck? Good for you. Broken down red pickup truck with hoses in the back. I hope you enjoy scooping out what could have been my kid out of my fucking pool. All right. So the other person who's here now, and I'm gonna put quotation marks around this, enjoying the show uh as I talk. Uh, as I've mentioned, our friend is our friend Jeremy. Jeremy from Seattle. And uh, and I offered him the jerk off, though, and thankfully he did not accept it. He's sitting, but I will tell you this he's now sitting in the chair that I was sitting. He's he's left the overstuffed purple chair, and he is sitting in the the armchair that I was in by myself. And uh he chose not to turn the chair around to face me as I do the show. So he is literally looking the other way. Like I, I, I glance over and he's in like the two thirds kind of, he occasionally he glances over his shoulder with a chuckle and a raised eyebrow. Like, <laughs> Wonderful. Please keep doing your stupid thing over there. I'm going to go over here and talk to Ahmad about soccer and World of Warcraft because they're having a conversation. They're having a lovely, you know what this is actually uh, now because I am their employee. I don't, I don't think there's any secrets that I between Ahmad and Jeremy, the two of them, I work for the two of them. This show, th- this is no longer an independent enterprise. This comes under the rubric of of uh, Jeremy Alawadi uh, or, you no, actually, Ahmad came first, uh, Ahmad Herbel, 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 I'm going to say your last name ahmad herbal. Well, let's put it, we can put it all together. Oh, well, you know Because there's an H in Ahmad, but now it's a seven. Oh, dude. What if we spelled like Ahmad, but but the H, and we spelled Herbal with a seven? I'm, I'm down. All right. So there we got uh, uh, ahmad mod herbal. Well, Herbal doesn't work with Ahmad. Herbal Alawadi, Because you're, you're Ahmad's name is more lyrical and more rhythmic. Jeremy's just sounds like somebody got punched in the stomach. It's a fucking awful name. Um, so I, I, I mean, I can't have, you can't be the name of the company, Jeremy, you're out, you're, you're officially eliminated. Yeah. Well, well, no, I'll I, let's take, how about this Emerald Alawadi, because you live in Seattle. Sure. So, all right. So we'll go with, I, this is now, this show is now under the umbrella of Emerald Alawadi corporation. And I only work for these guys. So, I mean, I, I certainly am having fun busting their balls, but I, I'm going to get called under the carpet. And there's going to be a meeting. I don't think there's any doubt that there's going to be a meeting between me and these two fucking incredibly generous and lovely people as they try to go ahead and shape year 12 and tell me what I can and can't say going forward. And also I have got a feeling right now, first thing on their list, um, probably try to bring back Lily so somebody else could laugh at your jokes and you don't feel so stupid about yourself. That would be good. Let's get her back in here. And I'm going to go, she's got a broken hip. She's got fucking literally, she's got like vagina lupus. She can't fucking come back in. And you guys are going to be like, I don't care. Like these guys are so fucking loaded. They will somehow make a cure in the next two weeks for vagina lupus and get Lily back over here. They'll figure out, they will figure out a way to build like a fucking the jazzled goddamn Swarovski crystal rhinestone iron lung and they're going to lock her in it just so she fucking laughs at everything I do for fucking year 12 because they are tired of hearing me talking to the goddamn void. And also, the two of them are just like, look, we got to talk about this fucking Thursday night business, man. You got to put... Because also... I will tell you this, like, to me, you know, the show is always Thursday morning, Thursday morning, and then we got a little slack and a little lax, and I wound up giving myself a hard time, and I'm like, ah, fuck, maybe it comes out later, and ah, you know, nobody wants to hear me talk anyway, and all that fucking poor mouth bullshit that these guys have told me to fucking forget and stop, because again, they run the show, and I gotta listen to them, but I always, in my head, people are very nice, there are people who will step up, and they'll be like, it's okay, Mike, we love you. whenever the show comes out, we'll be happy, we just want your show, yay! And I go, oh, well, all right, because that kind of emboldens me a little bit where I'm like, all right, it's not so bad that it came out late. And then last week I put out a three hour and 20 minute show with our buddy David because I recorded it on Monday and it came out clearly on time. I put it out Wednesday night even early, I think. And uh, our buddy Tim, uh, who's a listener in Chicago, near Chicago, in the Midwest, uh, he's from Maine. I don't know where the fuck he's from. I don't want to say where he's from. But Tim literally wrote, he wrote two separate comments under it. He just wrote, great show. And then under it, he wrote, and on time too. Oh, oh, thank you, everybody, for telling me that the show, it didn't matter when it came out or when the fuck you didn't care about the release time because I, I, it was brought into sharp relief that I am fucking up by not putting the goddamn show out every Thursday morning. Now, look, I've known that inside me. I've known that because of the, of the guys here at Emerald Alawadi have certainly been, gone ahead and told me this kind of thing. Max has told me clearly, he's like, dude, you're going to fucking up here. You got to get this goddamn show out on time. And I'm like, you're right, exactly. But the time clock was busted and I couldn't punch in on time. And, I, you know, I fucking finagled and I snuck in a little bit and you cut a little corners. Hey, man, it's fucking, this is, this is Enthusiastic Baker. This is 13th year of my podcasting. So I figure, you know what? These guys can give me a fucking break. They can go ahead and let go of the reins a little bit, and instead, every single one of you wrapped the reins around your wrist and your palm and yanked the fuck back and said, "Yeah, motherfucker!" And so, yeah, motherfucker. Here we are doing a show on Monday with the two bosses in the fucking room to make sure that I got the fucking promotion, and I can go ahead with here twelve. Who the fuck knows? I have no idea. Again, even dozen of me solo, but uh, but enthusiastic baker of me podcasting in general, and also if you if you add in all the guests appearances I've done on podcasts all over the place. God, Comedy Film Nerds alone, I think I've probably done 10 or 12 of those episodes. And by all right, let's talk about let's talk about this for a second. This is totally true. I just did the Quentin Tarantino spoiler episode for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I did two episodes. I did the regular episode and then I did the spoiler episode uh of Comedy Film Nerds. And uh I was there and I was talking to Graham because these guys are you know Graham and Chris are great friends of mine. I've known Chris Since I moved to town in 97, he was booking Borders Books in West Hollywood. He was booking a comedy show. I fell in with him there. Great guy. Put me on the show. We hung out. And then it turned out he's always included me in projects. He did a short film called Hit Clown. He directed the damn thing. He wrote it. He cast me as a a lecherous bookie. I got squibbed up and shot. It was totally fun. You can find that clip somewhere online, I think. Hit Clown somewhere online. If not, maybe I'll share it to the Joker's page. Um Chris and I go way back. I mean, you're looking at 20 years of friendship here and collaboration working together, right? So I do the Tarantino episode and I'm talking to the guys and Graham fucking Graham. I knew before that I knew Graham in Chicago. First time I ever saw him was 95 at the funny bone. I was the house MC and I had heard some names of people and stuff. Well, Graham shows up to do a set. He's headlining that weekend and uh, and I'm in the back of the room and I'm fucking dying. I'm like this guy's wheelhouse for me. He's just fucking silly and funny and all over the place, and 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 just I just dug him. I thought he was great and a super cool guy off stage, which that's that's the key. Because I mean, I've met people that are extremely funny, and then they kind of fucking bigfoot you or they're a shitbag off stage or whatever, and you're saying, like, oh, man, I could not be less enthusiastic to support you or your career at this point. But. When these guys become my friends, they're fucking great. So, so, and I don't mean that. I mean, it's always great when talented people become your friends. I don't want to say because they're my friends, they're fucking great, even if they suck. But Graham doesn't suck. Chris doesn't suck. But if people suck and I'm still their friend, I'll tell you I'm their friend. I might not tell you they're funny. Or I'll say, they look like they're really having fun up there. Maybe I'll go ahead and say that. That's that's the key. Um, So I go to Comedy Film Nerds. And again, this has got to be my, I'm going to say 12th appearance. One time I did like a live tweeting Oscars special with them. And by the way, I was fucking hysterical in that. I was amazing. So we did that. I've done live shows with them. They're they're live shows. And then they involved me in PodFest. They booked this show, The 40-Year-Old Boy, to go to the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. Uh, I wound up doing stuff there. It was every year I was involved and I was proud and I'm happy that they're my friends and I'm happy to do their show. And again, it's now, it's 24 years I've been friends with Graham, uh, over 20 years with Chris. And so I go to the Tarantino episode and I ask the guys, I go, how you doing? And Graham's got his... uh, Political thunderbolt, whatever the fuck that uh, it's political vigilante. That's what it is. I couldn't think of the name vigilante. Uh, And I don't. And I'm not. I'm not dismissing it. I didn't mean it like that. It's just good for him. I'm glad he's doing. He's doing something. I just I can't get involved in that tug of war anymore. I can't be involved in fucking the world or politics. I care, but I don't care. I can't care. It doesn't make any sense. Literally, I'm coming to you Monday, and I'm going to talk about. I'll just fucking. I'll bring this up, even though I know by by the time this show comes out, it'll be dead in the water. Like nobody even remember that this fucking happened. First of all. Uh, uh, Trump wants to buy Greenland a couple of weeks ago. And uh, and I because th- that comes out because here's the thing. This is the way it fucking works. You hear that. Everybody's like, yeah, Trump wanted to buy Greenland. He asked Norway a couple of times whoever the fuck owns it. And people are like, that's fucking ludicrous. Like that never happened. And then like two days later, Trump is like, I talked to Norway and apparently they are very upset and I'm not going to go visit them now because, uh, the you know, buying green. And, and it, it's true. And then you just go, oh, no, no, <laughs> it's totally true. And then everybody on Twitter is just like, I can't believe this fucking maniac wanted to buy Greenland. And so I tweeted, you know what? I'm coming around on this fucking guy. I gotta be honest. I I I know he's a fucking whistlehead, but this it genuinely made me blurt laugh when I found out he really thought he was gonna buy Greenland. I thought it was the fucking coolest thing ever. He's an idiot, but just the very fact that, that this doddering fucking old man with an old 1970s mousetrap board game in his fucking skull thinks he's going to buy Greenland and do what with it? Do what? I know it is fucking. Here's what he thought. I know this is what he did. You know what? I've got a great way to fix the immigration thing. We let them in and we buy Greenland and we put them on boats to Greenland and then we have them build things on Greenland. So it's kind of like they're working, but they're also part of America. I mean, I know that's because it's as simple as the dumb thing I said once where I was like, why don't we give the Jews Montana? I said that one time on the show, just being stupid. And people wrote me and there's like... Because again, that's the scary part. People wrote me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then other people wrote me like, that's a really good idea. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's me. I'm podcasting idiot. Nobody wants to fucking take me seriously. Please don't. So when he says he wants to buy Greenland, that's what I look at it as. I look at it as me, except again, he's the most powerful man on earth. And so uh, other than the Saudis who own him. But I mean, other than that, it's like, fuck, I, I, I I try to arm's length this shit. I try to fucking just not get involved. So then yesterday i think it is i i'm not joking i'm out with a mod i'm not looking at my phone i don't even fucking care and then i go to twitter in the middle of the day at some point and there's a there's someone tweeted well it's inevitable we got to the point where he wanted a nuke hurricanes and i'm like that's all right fuck you what the fuck happened so then i got to google that shit and it turns out that there's a story out there that trump said why don't we just drop a nuclear bomb on the hurricane and his advisors are like excuse me and he's like hey man they start over at africa right so let's just fucking bomb them there and then they dissipate before they come to America. It's fucking solves the problem. Now, look. I I normally would just be like, yeah, that shit never happened. However, we literally are 5 days away from him confirming he wanted to buy Greenland. So clearly, this is another thing that has happened that he's not going to fucking wriggle his way out of. He's not going to go, no, of course, fake news, bullshit. No, fuck you. You thought about dropping a nuclear bomb in a hurricane. And to this day, he probably still thinks it's a good idea. But here's the problem with all of this shit. I, I laugh at it. It's just fucking stupid. I think it's fucking awesome to me. Now I'm just looking at it as like ridiculous entertainment. And I'm hoping this is a show that gets canceled after four years. But who knows? We'll fucking see what happens. And will it destroy the network before it gets canceled? Who knows, man? It's a coin flip. But... In this same story, the advisors listen to him spin this bullshit fucking ridiculous story about dropping a nuclear bomb in a hurricane. And they say, well, well, we'll take it under advisement, sir. What the fuck are you doing? Do you not realize that's the reason he gets to fire off these ridiculously fucking retarded salvos at everybody to get something done? I mean, fuck you. One person, please, I'm begging you. I know it's not Spicer or fucking uh, Huckabee or any of these assholes who are in his inner circle or fucking Nikki Haley. I know they're all fucking sycophants. Everybody wants the fucking job and the money and the power and whatever the fuck. Mitch McConnell's ruined everything. I get it. There has to be one, one dude who would realize what a fucking hero he would be if he just stood up and went, you are the stupidest fucking guy I have ever met in the meeting. Just say that to him just once, please. It's like what I said at the debates last year. If any one of those candidates, like if Ted Cruz or whatever the fuck, who did he say killed Kennedy or like somebody's dad killed Kennedy and somebody's wife was ugly and then he said he had a big dick and now he's the president. Jesus fucking Christ, you can't say this shit out loud. It's like when Ben Carson talked about stabbing his friend in the stomach and you're like, excuse me? And then he's running health and human services. You're like, what the fuck is happening in this country? These fucking lunatics. But nobody... Tells them they're lunatics. That's the the worst part. They get to do all of this shit. And because people want to keep their jobs, it's it's, it's the equivalent. It's like, all right, let's put it this way. If the Nazi brown shirts who claimed that they were just following orders were drawn into a Hanna-Barbera cartoon and had to just respond to any dumb thing Elmer Fudd or whoever the fuck, or Warner Brothers cartoon, a Looney Tune, whatever the fuck, any cartoon. If Huckleberry Hound said something stupid and everybody had to go, well, we were just following orders, Huckleberry Hound told us we had to kill all the rabbits with arrows, and then they ran out and they ate all the carrots, and then, inevitably, uh, fucking Peter Potamus and Soso came by in a fucking balloon and we had to shoot them too. I mean, it's just, it's that level of ridiculous fucking cartoony bullshit. How does nobody just once look at the fuck, because all you had to do, you again, you would be a fucking hero if you stood up in the meeting and went, "All right, let me get this straight. Let me let me make sure I'm understanding you and your bullshit plan. You think we should take nuclear bombs, which which are truly the most powerful weapon on earth and you want to fight them against a hurricane as if Godzilla were fighting King Kong like that is that am, am I understanding you is that what you want to do you think that setting up a nuclear line of defense against weather is a smart idea you think that's a good move you really think that how, how about this you think you think there's any way when a tornado lands we should just start shooting it how did the local police went ahead and started shooting tornadoes would that have any? deterrent effect you truly think weapons will defeat weather you do you understand anything about the globe the planet science that fucking big mac you're eating do you know a fucking thing about anything that makes up anything in this goddamn world like literally just ream him the fuck out like i said at the debates if ted cruz pushes him to the fucking floor and just goes you got something to say about my fucking wife the the myth is broken he cowers like a pussy he doesn't fight back And everybody just goes, look at that fucking guy. He's not tough. He's not smart. He's not interesting or cool. He's a fucking pussy and he lays there and takes it. If one fucking low level chump just stood up and just went, dude, you're fucking insane. You know that, right? You want to drip a nuclear bomb? Because also here's my favorite part of the whole thing. I, I don't even think he gives a fuck about hurricanes. I think he's just looking for a backdoor way to drop a nuke on Africa. That's got to be it, right? That's the only thing I can think. He doesn't, he can't truly be that much of a fucking whistlehead that he thinks you could bomb hurricanes into the stone age. No, he wants to do it like, by like I said, he, they form it because that's another thing. That's a genius fucking pluck of science that he pulled out of his own fucking skull. Hey, wait, all these hurricanes show up in Africa, right? Like the black people are somehow clapping and causing a huge hurricane to come toward fucking America. You know, he'd find a way to play it on the black dudes. You knew he would find a way to blame it on the black dudes. You yeah, all the hurricanes come over from Africa, right? Well, what do you say we nuke the fuck out of Africa and then hurricanes don't start anymore because the black guys aren't there, uh, you know, playing their fancy jazz and having their fucking zoot suit dances and whatever the fuck they do to conjure up these fucking things to ruin the white man's America? Why doesn't some fucking guy stand up and look at him and just go, you are a fucking chowder head, man. What the fuck is your problem? Your skull is empty. Fuck. It, you, it's It's crazy making that you think that there's nobody who will fucking just stand cuz again like I said in the story they're like cuz then here and all these non-courageous motherfuckers then go off the record and they're like yeah you know you could have heard a gnat fart in the room it was so fucking ridiculous we didn't understand that this idiot was saying this shit but the person won't give a name they won't say that they're a source and also they didn't tell him hey man do you realize that you can't hear a gnat fart in this room right now it's because you just gave us an idea so fucking stupid we're flabbergasted you know what causes hurricanes the intake of air we make when we hear every stupid idea you make they generate right here in the fucking office man eight dudes just went (gasps) and then it sucked all of the fucking air into a spiral and look at this we're in the eye of a stupid hurricane that's what we are it's a stupid cane it's even it's a fucking stupid cane we're in the fucking eye of it because of you you fuck unreal nobody has the balls nobody give up the job there's other jobs i mean i've had shit jobs i've sold fucking light bulbs and shit over the phone i've worked in fucking pizza houses and gone home smelling like yeast and dough and i understand you got fucking bills to pay but jesus fucking christ have the fucking decency the wherewithal the fucking gumption to fucking just step up and, and say hey dude this is stupid man I mean I, when I was a kid I heard the emperor's new clothes story and it's it's a fucking fathead emperor who's like, look at my clothes, and his balls are hanging out. and Everybody's like, woohoo, you got fucking, that's an awesome suit, dude. And he walks around swinging his dick at all the commoners' faces, and they're like, yeah. And if I remember, like, I think a fucking ocelot or some shit walks up and goes, dude, you're fucking naked. And he's like, what are you talking about, man? I'm totally fucking tripped out in this awesome robe. And then all the commoners are like, yeah, that's the most finery we could ever fucking come up with. And then I think like a fucking magic bird flies over and fucking pecks him on the head and goes, hey, dummy, you're naked. I don't know, I didn't read the story. It's been a long time ago, whatever the fuck. However, I know it ends like that where finally they're like, hey, you're naked, dude. And then everybody else kind of has to go, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's right. He is naked, right? And then everybody's fucking woeful. And then they drop a fucking bomb on Africa and everybody's happy again at the end of the book. Jesus, fuck. Just step up. Just fucking look him in the eyes. That's all I'm ha- that's all I'm asking. We see dumb people in the grocery store every day and we shake our heads and we just roll our eyes, but they don't run the fucking world. One person has to step up and go, this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. And then literally walk out. Like, like do it like Animal House. Where fucking, where, where Otter stands up and he's like, point a parliamentary procedure and he gives the fucking speech and they all hum the national anthem. <laughs> they walk out of the fucking courtroom. Just do that. Just all these lawyers and idiots and sycophants just fucking stand up and go, hmm, hmm, uh, That's America the Beautiful, right? For amber waves of fuck. Yeah, it's, uh, exactly. Um yeah. I, that might not be the words exactly. Again, I, I last time I sang that song, I was reading the fucking Emperor's New Clothes. It's been a long time for all that shit, folks. I don't understand it, man. I mean, how badly do you want power or proximity to power, or how how much? Because I almost here's the thing. I want to meet him. Like I would, I would want to meet Donald Trump. I would want to be in his circle of influence. I, I would just want to be. I'd want to shake his hands and talk to him. Because we all think he's a fucking pillowcase, right? Well, I mean, we all think he's a fucking dope. Not all of us. Some of you out there love him. I hear from you all the time. Good for you. But a lot of us think he's a fucking goon and, uh, and I'd want to meet him just to see if he has this charismatic pull. That's enough to get people forget the things they care about. Is it just being close to power? Is it just like, it, it's funny. And what's upon a time in Hollywood, uh, Steve McQueen, the guy playing Steve McQueen spells out a story and he's, he goes, I'm going to tell you a story and he points out Jay Bring, and he's like Sharon was engaged to Jay Bring, Sharon Tate, but then Sharon Tate flew to Poland or whatever the fuck and she filmed a movie with Roman Polanski and then she divorced Jay or she broke up with Jay and she married Roman Polanski and now the three of them are inseparable and the woman's like, why? and he's like, because he knows that Polish prick's going to fuck it up and eventually Jay's going to be there to pick up the pieces and that's what I'm wondering, like are these people just lurking waiting for him to make the one fatal mistake so they can swoop in and are they like is everybody in the government Alexander Haig waiting for fucking somebody to take a bullet so they go I'm in charge now I mean are you just because if you're that close to the throne does it just corrupt you in that much where you're going to give up everything you cared about or thought about or, or knew to be true in order to possibly have a shot at 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 what I don't know man I don't know it's just fucking bananas to me how the fuck did that happen how did I get into that what are we talking about I have to turn to my bosses at Emerald Alawadi and make sure that I'm still on the right on the right course. How do we? Uh, politics? We we went somewhere. I don't know. I don't know how the fuck that happened. All right. So, Jesus Christ. Well, I'm glad you're here and thank you for coming, Jeremy. I'm glad you showed up at the at the uh, the thing. It had to be. It was something about Seattle, right? It had to be. I don't know. Folks, I apologize. This is not good broadcasting as I go ahead and try to figure out what the fuck I was talking about a second ago. Um, But anyway, I'm glad we're here. It's uh, last day of school. Eventually... uh, Oh, fuck! Chris Mancini. All right, so... There we go. God damn it. So I've known these dudes 20 and 25 years, respectively. I do their show... And I finished, the, oh, I finished the Tarantino spoiler episode and I asked him, I go, hey, how's it going? What are you guys doing? And like I said, oh, that's why, because I said he was doing the political fucking Thunderbolt. And I'm like, all right, so Graham is doing the political vigilante. And I said, I don't understand how a guy like that, smart, funny, cool, can take this deep dive into all of this ludicrousness. I mean, you just heard me. I just wasted fucking two minutes fucking yelling about the goddamn stuff because there's no, there's no there there. The, the politics is Gertrude Stein's Oakland. I mean, it's literally there is no there there any longer. There's nothing to discuss. It tastes great and less filling, and that's fucking it. But Graham has carved out a niche and he is doing the political vigilante because he and that dude is on board. Like, I mean, I fucking because I've talked to, you know, you'll because whenever anybody makes a pivot to do something new like that, to become invested, to go ahead and give a lot of their energy to something in your brain. You're like, well, fuck that dude either must really care about that. Or he sees an angle. It might be an angle here. Well, there's no angle. Graham is fucking in. I mean, that dude is all about political vigilante. He wants to change this country. He's supportive, I believe of Bernie. I think that's his guy. And, and he is, he is on, and there's no deterring him from it. And he is single-minded of purpose. And good for him. I love him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him and proud that he's found something that he cares so much about. Like, as as you know, I can't get too into it, although I can scream about it. Apparently, at you guys for fucking two minutes, whatever the fuck. So uh, so I talked to Graham. He's got political vigilante. He's going to Russia. And I will tell you, he's going to Russia to get the real story. That was the quote I got. I don't know the real story about what I don't I don't know what he's going to find. I do think it's going to be fucking hilarious if somehow the entire Russian problem in this country is blown apart by a guy who i used to know as a cobra i mean that'd be fucking awesome if graham who did a bit about giving himself a nickname as cobra goes in and fucking tunnels into russia and figures shit out because that's it's funny because he has to go through like a visa and a check and all that stuff i i laugh at like the russian fucking whatever the Moldova the secret service where the fuck they are stumbling upon an old stand-up clip where he's like call me cobra and they're like holy fuck operative cobra is on his way to goddamn russia uh, but he's going and he's doing all that stuff and that's great. So then I said to Chris, I go, Hey, how you doing, man? What's going on? Cause Chris constantly has irons in the fire. He's got fucking kickstarters for a fucking novel. He's got uh, graphic novels. He's got a book. He's got a movie screenplays. He's always got something going on. He's just fucking a talented guy who works hard and has always found people to support him. And I fucking, that's cause that's the whole mystery and gimmick of this entire business. You got to find somebody who believes you and likes you enough to want to support you. Case in point. Emerald Halawati. This is the corporation that keeps me in your ears every week. So uh, I'm happy of, uh, for that and proud. And so Chris is like, yeah, you know, I got a Kickstarter going. He's like, hey, I, did, he, I said, how did your your last one go? And he's like, oh, I, I said, I knew it funded. He goes, oh, yeah, we did the book. It went great. I've got a meeting about this. He had whatever. He had a bunch of stuff going on. I go, oh, terrific. He goes, you didn't get a copy of the graphic novel? I said, no, I did. you never got it to me. And he goes, oh, dude, I got him in the car. Come on out. So I follow him out to the parking lot. We're talking. I talk about his wife. Uh, I think I've talked about this before. I I went to a a birthday party. I believe at Chris's house it was, or it might have just been a summer cookout or something. This is years ago. This is a good ten years ago. And it's him and his wife and his two kids. And he has a boy and a girl. And he has one of the most beautiful children I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and another one who's ugly. Now, how terrible would that be? Uh, I'm teasing. His his son is a, a, a lovely boy. Good for him. But his daughter was so beautiful and like that, that little precocious and cute, but not cloying and just, and for some reason she liked me. Like I made her laugh. And so I was, we were talking and I mean, she was at the time, she might've been six, and so I was the tallest dude at the party. So like I picked her up once and I had her over my head, like just in one hand, giving her an airplane and she was flying above everybody and she was running around and I'm just really cute and, and infectious. You just loved her. And then I understand she got into some acting stuff. But again, she's she's older now. She's she might even be, you know, 14 now. I don't know how old she is. Uh, Chris doesn't have a daughter. I'm making this all up anyway. I uh, I asked him how his family is. His wife is is, you know, terrific. She's always been nice to me. And he goes to the car and he gets out the graphic novel. He goes, oh, everybody's fine. She's good. She's doing this. He's doing that. We're all excited and we're possibly moving into a bigger house. I said, good for you, man. That's great. He goes, here you go. And uh, he takes out the graphic novel and I go to reach for it. And uh, Chris Mancini, my friend of 20 years, takes out a pen and autographs my graphic novel. Uh What the fuck are you doing? Like what I literally I just well and I I know Chris well. Like I've known him a long time. But my inner circle of comedian friends, I would have just gone, "What the fuck, dude? Like what are you, what seriously? You've ruined the eBay resale value on that fucking thing first of all. Uh but what are you doing? You're and he personalized it. To Mike, Stay Golden, Chris Mancini. I I know you motherfucker. What are you doing? Even if, you, even if it's a joke he wrote to Mike Stay Golden, then you're funny. Then we're fine. Even if he wrote to Mike Stay Golden, Chris, I can see it. It's a bit, and it's kind of funny. You put your whole fucking name on there, you've now, you've you've dug a, a fucking Maginot line between me and you as far as friendship is concerned, because now oh, I'm a pleb. I'm a fucking foot soldier. You're a general. You just handed me a fucking signed piece of your work. I was in a movie you wrote, motherfucker. And I'm just staring at him in the fucking, I took it. And he's like, there you go. He thought nothing of it. And in my brain, look, I understand. He's probably used to signing them for every fan that comes along, anybody he's giving them to. But I have to admit, I just, was I, in my brain, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? I've been to your house. I've, I've literally been to lunch with you how many times? And you're signing? You're signing an autograph for me? What the fuck? Now, you folks, you may not see the uh, the, the, problem with this. But I, I will tell you, as a, as a performer and a person and a friend of his, I thought it was fucking ludicrous. Perhaps I'm wrong. But I thought it was fucking goofy, and so I wanted to just literally at that point I just wanted to give it back to him, I, you know. And just and there you go, buddy. Keep this. Go ahead and take this book back because I and find another Mike who might want it. Do you have one that's unmarked up that I could possibly read and enjoy without thinking I'm one of your fans? You fuck. Uh, it, but it, it it threw me for a fucking loop. I wasn't expecting to get Chris Mancini's autograph one day. Oh my god! Holy lord! You're in my phone, you dick. So. Uh, so Jeremy is here, and I'm happy that Jeremy's here. Jeremy's been here for five days, four days, I think, four days, and he's he's on a whirlwind tour. This dude's been to San Diego already. He was he was here. He's off to Anaheim tonight. He's going to see the Angels. He's going to fucking Disneyland. Uh, he, he's got all sorts of shit going on. We went. He actually took us. By us, I mean me and Jimmy Pardo. He took us to a Dodger game uh, on Friday. We wound up going. And um and I you know what, I'm not doing this justice. He he didn't uh he didn't take us to a Dodger game so much as he had us brought to a Dodger game in opulent luxury, I think is the way I would put it. It was he wound up winning an auction because uh Jimmy Pardo he likes to save teeth. He's got Jimmy Pardo saves teeth, that thing he does every single year where they do a fucking Twelve hour fucking show, and everybody gives them money, and then they give some kids some fake choppers, and everybody thinks Jimmy's a fucking hero. Good for him. So, uh, so Jeremy, huge fan of Never Not Funny, flies to town for that live event, sits through easily three very good guests, and uh, and not me. I was not on this year, and then and, and actually I couldn't tell Jeremy that because they keep it secret. There, uh, like this. Last year and you were there. Yeah, last year you you. Uh, Oh, that's right. We've been waiting a year to fill this in. Right. Jeremy came because Jeremy came to town this year and he actually texted me the night of he was in the he was in the audience this year. And he's like, hey, man, like, uh, you know, I know I know if you can't tell me this, but tell me what time are you on? And uh, I, I, I think I had to just say, you know, like sit tight or whatever the fuck I said, um, because I wasn't on. So I didn't want to, you know, I didn't. And I also didn't want Jeremy to flip a table and storm the fuck out in the middle of the taping. What the hell? I'm I'm from Emerald, Alawadi. I came to see an employee of mine. Um, so luckily that did not happen instead. He, so two years ago, he bought the, this is where I met Jeremy. I actually, I I met you that night because he was at, it was, they, they hold it at flappers in Burbank now, which is a a terribly named comedy club now in Burbank, right next to the porta potty where Amada's staying. And, uh, it, it is, you know, it's, it's a lovely room. It's terrific. Every year now they're doing the podcast on there. And, uh, Jeremy that, that year, one of the prizes was Jimmy and I collaborated and we decided, hey, man, what if somebody wanted to go to a baseball game with us? So we put that up on eBay as a prize. And Jeremy was kind enough to get into the bidding. And as you know, uh, this is, he's, I, look, let me describe Jeremy for you right now. He is uh, He's in a tuxedo. He has a top hat, a monocle, and a big white mustache and he just won second prize in a beauty contest. That's who he is as a matter of fact. Uh, So he's got that kind of dough to throw around and he's like I'd love to go to a baseball game with idiots. So here you go and he just made it rain and threw a bunch of money in the air and a bunch of little Colombian children scattered around and put it into their toothless mouths because that's what they're good for before they get smiles. That's where they keep the money. I don't know if you know this. Parcastathon does this fucking bidding thing and all the money you send gets shoved into the mouths of Colombian infants uh, because they are just nothing but toothless banks until they get fixed by the doctors employed by the money you send uh and i look i gotta be honest with you whenever i hear that he's doing that and good for him help kids give them teeth kids need teeth right don't they and they need milk to keep those bones and teeth strong but there's got to be one kid out there who's got no teeth pick this just because it's a comedy show look i know we're doing a good thing we're reaching out we're helping kids all over the goddamn planet but pick one of those kids to get fangs like dracula fangs how fucking great would that be oh One kid gets a full fucking mouth of like venom teeth. Oh, dude, that would be genius. Or like a big Matt Dillon fucking picket fence of choppers. And then that kid becomes the mascot for the show for the next year. No. All right, everybody, I hear you. I hear the feedback on that clearly. (laughs) That's as bad as whenever whenever I go to do the fucking show. I always call it teeth-a-thon or whatever the fuck. I'm always fucking around. And one year I brought in, I went to a gag shop and I just bought all the vampire teeth they had. And I said, look, man, this telethon is over. And I dumped all of them on the table and fucking and like literally Jimmy and Matt, they no sold it. They just fucking stared at me like they didn't laugh. They're like, really? And I'm like, you really? Now you're the fucking you're you're the precious fucking Mother Teresa of teeth. Your mother teeth, Risa. Is that who the fuck you are, Pardo? The fuck out of here, man. Fucking mother mouth, mouther, mouther teeth, Risa. That's who he is. Fuck it. Take it. Your goddamn. You know, that's the name of the show. Remember that somebody mark that down. Mouther teeth, Risa uh i by the way i I didn't mean that but sirs if one of you could possibly make a note of that i didn't mean, I didn't mean to give you orders you're the bosses uh, um, so so they do uh they do this telethon and he's over there and i meet so Jeremy that was the one I gave all the shirts away right Jeremy yeah. Yeah, I, I wound up, uh, look, I had shirts and I thought they were a good idea. And they actually were. We sold a bunch of them. It's just I overshot, man. I, I, I bought way too many shirts. So I had them in my closet and they just constantly tormented me as I would stare at them. And I go, fuck this. I got to give these away. So I went that night. and I just threw all of my old shirts into the crowd. So everybody got shirts. Um, and then afterwards, out of the shadows, Jeremy came shambling up to me because he had been sitting in a fucking comedy club chair for 12 hours and his legs no longer worked. And he came up to me holding out of the banister, trying desperately not to plummet to the ground because all of the circulation to the lower part of his body had been cut off by the worst chairs known to man in the comedy club. And he's like, hey, I just wanted. To. He was very nice. And he met me and he thought I was funny and, and he was cool. He said he was going to buy the baseball thing. I'm like, I'm in, man. Just let me know when I'm excited. And then after that, Jeremy became part of my universe. He, he, he wanted to find the show and then he wanted to catch up on the show. And then he bought a box set. Um and then he's been very gracious and he, he uh, got my Twitch channel started. I'm not doing Twitch if it's not for him and Ahmad. It's just it's both very encouraging and friendly people who've stepped into my life and made it better. So I'm very happy that they're here. Uh, and we've become friends ever since. Jeremy was here earlier in the year. As you know, I took Jeremy to the Rock Solid picnic and then Jeremy destroyed my car. And then uh, he wound up going out to Thai to food with me. And then he uh, did a barrel roll into the restaurant, which was not uh, something I did not see coming at all. Like he was all of a sudden, I let Jeremy out of my car and all of a sudden he's on SWAT and he just dives and rolls into the restaurant. I'm like, all right, good for you, buddy. I'm glad whatever whatever you need to do to get in the door. Uh, but he was trying to do it because he wanted to avoid the part of my car that he had fucking s- smashed. Uh, but it's but that in that book, it's all fixed. It's all water under the bridge because, again, he's the boss. The guy can do whatever the fuck he wants. How many times have you had a boss? He's come over to your desk and he's eating the candy out of your candy dish. Didn't you want to fucking break his thumb? You're like some fucking receptionist or you're some accountant or whatever the fuck, and you're just sitting there with a protractor or whatever the fuck you work with, and the boss is over and he goes, oh, Hershey's Kisses, thanks. He takes a fucking handful. And you're like, I will break your index finger, you fuck. You will need a goddamn metal splint and a pointer. You will never be able to use an elevator correctly again, you dick. Leave my fucking Hershey's Kisses alone, man. Um. So that's, you know, that. but Jeremy did that with my car. He, he Essentially, my car was a candy dish, and he just fucking plunged his huge hand into it and stole all my Hershey's Kisses one night with a loud crack. But luckily... I've had it fixed and we're all on board and happy again. Everybody's thrilled. So Jeremy took us to the Dodger game on Friday because it was the pain. You know, he'd won this two years ago. So we've been waiting to get it to work. And then uh, Jeremy also, he texted me the day of, and we're trying to figure out a way to do it. And he's like, "Why?" I was like, Hey man, if you're Ubering to the game, I can meet you at your hotel in Uber. I can just pick you up at your hotel and I'll drive. And he's like, no man, I'd rather Uber. Why don't you meet me here? And I felt weird because, I mean, again, this guy, he's just, he's being very gracious. He bought the ticket, he, he tells us the tickets he bought and he sends them to me. Now, I never even checked to see where they were at. He goes, We have really good seats. So I'm like, All right, cool. That's all that matters. I'm excited about that. And, just, and I'm just going to the ball game. I don't give a fuck. These days, now I'm old, man. Like I said, 52. I just, I'm going, I'm getting in the building. I love fantastic seats to events. But at the same time, man, I'm just as long as we're in the building, I'm happy, especially if it's on somebody else's dime. You don't have to fucking do a backflip. But if you do, you're the fucking coolest. and I appreciate it. Uh, I I am. I've been incredibly lucky that people have been very generous with me in that area. They take me places. They bring me things. As I've said to Ahmad, I'm 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 always grateful you include me in your adventures. And he said the nicest thing. He said, hey, man, I wouldn't be doing this if you weren't going with me. Because I mean, otherwise I'm doing it fucking alone. And what's the point? And, uh, and so I will be his fucking man Friday fucking forever. Wherever he wants to go. He can be Crusoe and I'll just fucking, I'll be his Sancho Panza, or whoever the fuck. He can be Don Quixote. We'll go to windmills, whatever the fuck. Same with Jeremy. So uh, so Jeremy brings us to the Dodger game. I go meet him at the hotel. He's down in Hollywood. Uh, but I will tell you this. He texted me and he's like, I said, what time, man? He goes, I don't know, man. I'm relaxing before the game. Let's figure it out. He goes, I'll check with Bex and we'll figure out what we're going to do. Now look, I knew Jeremy had a lot of money. I knew Jeremy was a guy who was generous and didn't mind throwing his money around. But actually inviting David Beckham and Posh Spice to go to the Dodger game with me seemed to be a stretch too far. Didn't know what was happening. Shocked, stunned. But then in my head, I go, well, that's got to be a friend of his. Now, I will tell you a little bit about Jeremy's life. Jeremy tells me that up in Seattle... Uh, first of all, he's a big shot in LA, but up in Seattle, forget about it. He's, he's uh, Seattle might as well be cheers and he's fucking norm. The guy walks in, I, I can't wait for his plane to land. Everybody will put their head out the window, like in network when they yelled, I'm mad as hell and I can't take it anymore. But instead they'll just yell fucking Jeremy. Uh, because he's well-known in Seattle. They love him there. And he told me, he's like, he's got trivia night a couple of nights. He comes in there swinging his dick around. He goes to the fucking movies all the time. He's friend with bartenders. These hot girls who want to go to the movies with them all the time. He's drinking gin and tonic. The fucking bar he's in bought a fucking drink machine just for him because he likes this fucking smoked gin because he's a picky asshole and good for him. Uh, But whatever, it doesn't matter. Again, like I said, when guys are generous and nice, Everybody bends over backwards to do the best they can to help them. And he's a regular at these places, you know, like like our friend Tim Westerberg tells you, uh, you know, when you're a regular, things happen. Uh, I'm not going to sing a whole replacement song for you. Actually, I am. One, two, three. Here comes a regular. Uh, So our good friend Jeremy is a he's a big shot in Seattle. And so he brings a little bit of that down here and he brings he tells me Bex. Now, I don't know who Bex is. All I know about his life is he hangs out with trivia nerds or hot bartenders. That's the only two fucking, in a Venn diagram of, of hot bartenders and trivia nerds, right in the center, there's our boy Jeremy. So I'm thinking, well, Bex could be, a, you know, I mean, Dexter's Laboratory, like I extrapolated it to that. I'm like, well, that could be a trivia nerd name, Bex. But also, any name with an X in it is somebody you want to fuck, right? We can all agree on that. So when I see the name B-E-X, and I'm just kind of like, hold on a second, hold, uh, what is this going to be one of those fucking hot bartenders? Am I going to go to a game with a hot bartender? Because then, now that's going to get awkward because, look, Jeremy's the king of Seattle and he's swinging his dick around and these people love him and they're pouring smoked gin in his face and these girls are putting their tits in his face and he's excited and answering trivia questions and keeping them all entranced. But in this town, I'm the fucking talent. And I don't want him to have to fucking compete with me for fucking hot Bexy bartender because he's going to fucking lose. So... <laughs> So I get the name in the text and I see Bex and I actually look at a mod and I go, oh, dude. And he goes, what? I go, I like I, it was me, Pardo and, and, and fucking Jeremy going to this game. I go, but now he brought some hot chick from fucking Seattle to go with him. And he's like, so I go, so, so it's fucking weird now. Like, I mean, it's, it's weird enough because again, Jeremy and I know one another and he's been a a really cool guy, but you still got to kind of be on, you know what I mean? You have to be on a little bit with a new person or hanging out with somebody because he only knows me. He knows podcast, Mike. He doesn't know brooding in the dark, Mike. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he does anyway. He certainly heard a lot about brooding in the dark, Mike. But now I can't bring brooding in the dark, Mike, to the ballpark. And even if I wanted to bring brooding in the dark, Mike, to the ballpark, now I got to charm fucking half-shirt Bex. I got to make her fucking like me, Right. So because Pardo knows what the fuck he's getting into, and that's totally fine. And also Pardo can said, you know, we can put Jeremy in between us and Pardo can sit a world away from me. That's totally cool. does isn't to deal with fucking brooding in the dark ballpark, Mike, at all. But now that fucking hot bartender Bex is coming to the goddamn thing, I'm like, oh, man, I got to put on a shirt. I mean, like, fuck, that's going to be fucking brutal. I might have to put on like jeans. so I have to wear jeans in this game? I just want to wear shorts and relax. Uh, and look, I'm impressive no matter what I'm wearing. I think we all know this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You can't contain this. I, you, when Show Mike decides to show up, he's gonna burst through. Uh, so I just have to realize, all right, you got, you can wear what you want, but just leave brooding in the dark, Mike, back home. But still, it's gonna be a hot bartender chick, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna make that conversation. So I hear you smoke gin. I mean, like, what the fuck is that? So you and Jeremy, like you, is he your, are you, you can have his baby? Like what the fuck's happening with you two? I don't know what the fuck can say to Hot bartender when I'm not trying to rail hot bartender, especially when hot bartenders here with fucking Jeremy. I can't. And also again, my charisma is a dangerous thing. I turned off the wattage too much and hot bartenders in my fucking lap. And even the Dodgers are turning around and going, holy fuck, look at that. That's fucking, that's magic hands, Wilson and hot bartender Bex. Nobody gets in the fuck Larry King and fuck fucking Mary Hart. Everybody sees Magic Hands Wilson and goddamn hot bartender Bex, half-shirt Bex. They fucking come over for autographs. Jeremy's left in the soup. Nobody knows what the fuck he's doing. And all of Seattle is mourning the fact that big swinging dick Jeremy came to town and was shown for the tiny man he is. So... I'm there, I'm waiting. I'm like, oh, fuck, I can't do this. And Ahmad is like, will you fucking calm down, stupid? Because he's used to me at this point. Uh, so I'm like, all right, I, I guess we'll deal with hot bartender backs, whatever the fuck. So I then, uh, you know, I get a shower. I go down to meet our friend at the hotel, text him from the lobby. He calls down because, again, big swinging dick. He calls down, tells valet that I'm coming to town. Go ahead and park my car, charge it to his suite. And look, folks, that's a suite with a U. So he comes down to meet me. He's like, on our way down. And he comes down to meet me. And uh, and there's Jeremy. And, uh, and there's Bex. Now, is it hot bartender Bex? No, it isn't. Is it half-shirt Bex? It is not. Is it smoky gin Bex? Maybe. We didn't talk about drink preferences. But who it turns out to be is a uh, fellow Microsoft employee, lover of baseball, wearer of a jumbler, perfectly lovely Bex. She's just, she's just, she's just a nice person. She's cool. I shake her hand. I say, how are you? And I will tell you this, this is also I had, cause I, I have to put the fucking brakes on because when I meet people now, I, I, and I've got to stop doing this. I, I realize this especially, but I've just been in Canada a bunch and these people kind of know me. Everybody knows me. So I go in for a hug a lot of the time. I hugged Tanya, I hugged Tresha, I hugged, I hugged both Kens. I hugged John, I hugged everybody. I think I, I hugged Jeremy when I saw him. Uh, I did not hug Ahmad. Look, man, it's a Kuwaiti thing. I just can't do it. It's just, he, he told me, he's like, look, dude, you can't hug me. I hugged him enough in Kuwait where he's like, all right, my friends still talk about it. That's probably a lie. Um, but I see Bex and I in my brain, I go, don't hug, don't hug, don't hug Bex, don't hug Bex. And so I extended my hand and she graciously shook my hand. And it turns out she's a friend of Jeremy's just this fucking cool chick who's here to fucking watch a game. So she's got a Washington national hat on. I bust her balls about that because I'm a Philly fan. And she said she used to be a Mets fan. We have a great conversation. We go outside. There's an Uber. It's a Denali because fucking again, Jeremy, he doesn't, he doesn't roll small at all. So now in my head, I'm thinking, Hey man, I'll take you there. I'll just drive. And he was like, nah, man, I'd rather Uber. Yeah. Cause this man doesn't ever climb into a Camry, any Camry he ever climbs into. He leaves shattered in pieces on the curb. So he's like, fuck this. I'm not doing a Camry. So he orders a fucking Denali to take us to the goddamn ballpark. We get into Denali. We have a long talk about dogs. Our driver jumps in to tell us about pit bulls and how great they are, because of course he did, because he was Armenian. And, uh, and he decided to go ahead and just show his pictures of his dog while he was driving, which seems possibly dangerous. I don't know. You're operating a vehicle the size of a fucking lunar space station, and you're going to pull out your phone and show me your dog's head. Maybe we pull off to the stoplight before you start showing me your pet. Don't wrap this around another fucking vehicle. Uh, we get to the park, and uh, I, will tell, I will say this about our, our driver, crazy effective. He's just like, all right. He goes, you are VIP. You are VIP, yes? And uh, Jeremy's like, yeah, we're VIP. All right, I'll find entrance. So he goes in, and he starts uh, zooming around. He goes to all, like, four different empty parking lots. They're like, no, no, you can't park. He's like, they are VIP. VIP, where to drop? So they brings all the way to gate 11, and the guy goes, you're not going to get closer. Here it is. And uh, he drops us off. I don't know why he's in the Russian mob, by the way. I don't do accents. So we get out. We go to line up. And I will tell you this, when, when he was buying tickets to a game, he actually reached out. He goes, hey, what weekend works? What game works? What is this? And we all kind of cast our votes and we settled on this past weekend, which, you know, we bought these at the beginning of the year. You, I, By we, I'm generously including myself because he bought them at the beginning of the year. And it turns out we're going to uh, the first game in a three-game series between uh, the the best team in the National League, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the best team in the American League, the New York Yankees. And there is this crazy playoff vibe all over the park. Yankee jerseys, Dodger jerseys, Los Angeles, New York, uh, all the history there. Former World Series you know, of course, the Dodgers clearly used to be in New York. So that vibe exists. And in addition to the fact that they're all having unbelievable success this year, the Yankees have got their superstar Aaron Judge back. I mean, just it was palpable. It was it was like a playoff. It was like a World Series game. Honestly, the vibe was so cool and uh we waited in line we got inside we had to walk around the uh, arena because uh, it's this thing it's funny like uh we had fucking amazing seats i was told and we're also in we had to go to the dugout club now, i don't know what the fuck the dugout club is i haven't been there i've been in some suites and some fucking sky boxes before uh and there was i went to a fucking sky club in in chicago with the white Sox. i took my mom there once for for mother's day because my mom loves baseball what a fucking mistake um uh, you know, she likes prime rib. That was the only thing she got out of the fucking experience. So we we were looking for the dugout club. We're walking down. Jeremy's like pausing periodically to talk to ushers. He's making him known that he's the king of Seattle. Everybody goes, of course, you are Mr. Herbal. We understand who you are, sir. Everybody's like, Bex. They all know her, of course, because their arrival is presaged. Uh, we finally make it towards the Because again, what I was going to say is we we have amazing seats. and We're going to the dugout club. So you just think somehow there would be because again, a lot of rich people go to go to these games and they all use the dugout club and they sit in those blue seats because the blue seats are crazy special. They're right behind the dugouts. They're right behind the netting. They're right behind the wall. And you think to yourself, well, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm in the blue seats. I mean, there's got to be a rickshaw to bring me to the seat, right? Doesn't there have to be some sort of... There should be like an elevated train that brings me from the entrance just to my chair and drops me in. Isn't there a, a Jetsons type pneumatic tube where you could go ahead and suck me up and deposit me exactly where I'm supposed to be? How... Walking is for fucking poor people. How the fuck is this happening? But we had to walk. And because, again, we're so we're so close, the farther you have to walk. So we make it over there. We actually go and enter into the dugout club. We found the seats first. And because I said, Jeremy, there's a buffet and all this shit. You want to go? And he's like, nah, man, I'm good at the seat. And he just, you know, he literally wants to sit down and get a gin and tonic and soak in the most beautiful ballpark in the National League. Although San Francisco is gorgeous and I haven't been to Pittsburgh yet, but on a fucking summer night in the twilight with the mountains and the palm trees in the back, Chavez Ravine is the fucking best place to watch a game in the National League. So, uh, so Bex and I are like, well, fuck this. We're going to the goddamn buffet. We walk over and it turns out, dudes, we walk in, there's the buffet. First of all, when we walked in, there was a lady with chickeny meatballs, which is fucking amazing. These like big ass chicken chorizo meatballs on a stick. And there's, there's maitre d's and waiters and all these dudes in suits and ties, making sure everything you do is taken care of. Sir, would you like to walk on my back, sir? Of course I would. Sir, can I carry you somewhere, sir? Absolutely. Sir, would you like a left-handed or a right-handed hand job? You know what? Go both. It's Friday. And, uh, and it exists all over the fucking place. And there's a wall with all of the Cy Young Awards the Dodgers have won. There's a wall, a, a glass case with all the, like the title, the championship trophies, the MVPs. I mean, I'm taking pictures. We're walking around. And we go down into the buffet joint, and it's packed, man. And the buffet, I, 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 I turn around, and there's the buffet. Now, first of all, there's a dessert buffet. There's a giant Dodgers and Yankees cake. They're not cutting till the sixth inning. But then there's cheesecake and fruit tarts and, I mean, all sorts of fu- – I mean, it's, it's fucking beautiful. It looks like the best casino buffet you've ever seen in your life until you get over to the food side. And then it's – there's Dodger dogs, there's vegan dogs, there's all beef Dodger dogs, and then there's bratwurst. And there's buns and stuff. And I have to admit, I'm looking and I'm kind of going, oh, man, a hot dog buffet in this fucking dugout club. What the fuck? This is big shooters, man. I can get a hot dog upstairs with the fucking indigent. I want to get a fucking real meal here for fuck's sake. So uh, I find one of the employees. Well, actually, I didn't find him. I just clapped and he showed up and uh, I rang a bell that I brought. They hand everybody a bell at the door. And ding, 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 ding. Yes, yes. Extra primo good, sir. And uh, And so I said, hey, man, is there real food in here? And he goes, excuse me? And I said, well, I mean, this is hot dogs. Is there like actual buffet? He goes, oh yeah, it's over there. So there was a whole fucking room I didn't see. So I walk over and uh, as I'm walking, a woman approaches me and I look, I will tell you this, as you heard from last week's show, I'm in that space now where I make eye contact and I smile at everybody just in case something might happen. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just fucking poised and ready at the starting line waiting for a gun. So I walk and I look up and I make eye contact and I smile at this woman and she smiles at me and I am 85% sure that I smiled at Ann Coulter. That is not a sentence. That is not an activity I ever thought I would bring to you on this show, but I made eye contact. I smiled at this tall scarecrowy blonde who also smiled back at me. Now, look, I will tell you this the other 15% in my equation is because I did not turn to stone. So there's a good chance it may not have been Ann Coulter, but I'm 85% sure it was fucking Ann Coulter. And I smiled right in her face. She smiled back brightly because I'll tell you what, in that room, there's no poor. There's no chasm of politics. I walked in there immediately. I realized, you know what? We should build a wall. What the fuck? Let's do this. If that's what's keeping me from eating this fucking stuff, if that's what's keeping me from swirly marble cheesecake at the ball game, build a fucking wall, man. Let's buy Greenland and put a buffet in there. So I walk past Coulter, I go down to the real food and they've got dudes. And it's not like they're like, hey, man, here's chicken. They're like, like, here's chicken a la Garvey. Like some Steve Garvey fucking home chicken recipe. They got a sushi bar. They got prime rib. They got a carving station. for. They got uh, pork belly tacos. I mean, they had all the, f- and it was all good. I, I have to admit, you know me. I don't go to buffets because I don't do good with a ton of flavors. If I get fucking ambushed by flavors, that can be a problem for me. And I'm like, dude, I got a whole ball game to watch here. So I paced myself because you can keep going back and getting food. Dugout Club's open all fucking night. So the first pass, I walk through. And I'm literally standing in the line for the sushi bar, just fishing handfuls of fresh blueberries out of a basket. Just the, the most vulgar, obscene Captain Bly have the natives put butter on my feet and fan me with palm fronds activity you could ever fucking imagine at a ball game. I'm just giggling to myself that like, yeah. Soon they're going to find out who I am and I'm going to get tossed the fuck out of here. And, I'll, and I'm ready to put up a fight. I don't give a fuck. They can, I'm not going to go quietly. Fuck you. Once they discover I'm poor, I'm finished. So I better keep it to myself. So I'm scooping up. I'm eating fresh fruit. I grab a thing of pineapple. I fucking slam that. I get to the front where the sushi bar is. I'm like, hey, can I get a tuna hand roll? And, they had a, and, the, and here's the thing. I've had ballpark sushi. They have a cucumber roll. They got a California roll. It's all the same shit you buy at the fucking supermarket. This is a fucking sushi bar. They made me a spicy tuna roll. Guess what was in it? Spicy fucking tuna. It wasn't a whiff of spiciness. It wasn't a tuna that once watched a documentary on jalapenos. It was fucking spicy ass tuna, man. Real shit. I got that. I got real seaweed. I got some fucking salmon, Uh, type of mock. I just fucking brought it all. I, and then it's that weird buffet thing. Where you know you know like if there's a combination to a safe and sometimes it's eight, forty one, seventy three, you're like, wow, that's a fucking preponderance of numbers with a big fucking chasm between them. Well that's what I did. I got a pork belly taco, I got some sushi, I got a pork chop. I mean like shit that shouldn't go together, man. I'm just putting it on the same fucking plate. Pineapple, I go out find a seat. I put my seat I, I sit down to fucking eat, I grab a bottle of water because that's free. And uh these four dudes walk over and they're like, hey, can we can we sit here? I go, I'm alone, fellas. Go ahead, feel free. Because again, we're all rich. We're all in the same club. So I figure, oh, great. Because you know who I am at this point now? Because when I'm alone, I can pretend. I can grab my meal. I can sit down. Everything's fine. And hopefully nobody notices me. But if fucking people join me, now I'm DiCaprio at the rich people table the fucking Titanic. And I got to talk about being on God's good humor and every day make it count. And I got to meet fucking uh, Winslet at the clock and whatever the fuck else is going to happen. But I'm ready for it. I'm excited. So I get tell these guys. I'm like, cause I can hold my own. I can fake rich talk. Stock, 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 stock up down. Let's go buy, sell. Fuck. So they sit down and they're And, and also I immediately regret having them sit down because they're shitbags. You start talking about work. You fucking assholes. I'm eating free sushi don't talk about your job i don't give a fuck about your job oh yeah the drive from culver city was unbelievable hey shecky ha <laughs> ha shaking hands tozzling green fucking gray hair and wearing new dodger jerseys they just bought today for the occasion you fucks you're not fans i'm a real fan that's why i'm eating sushi for free so they sit at the fucking table they're having a conversation and uh, and I'm eating my food, and the the fucking waiter dude, who I have much more in common with than these other dudes, comes over. He's like, "Can I get you something?" I go, "No." I I go, "I'm I'm good." I'm, and he goes, "You don't want to drink?" I go, "No, I got a bottle of water." He goes, "Okay, sir." And then the other four guys are like, you know, "Shoo, boy!" We're having talk about popular things or whatever the fuck. He leaves, and as I'm there, somebody grabs my shoulder, and I'm like, and and again, I'm soft because I'm in the rich people house. Normally, I would have fucking wheeled on him. What? But I realize there's no threat. So somebody grabs me by the shoulder. I turn around, and it's fucking Pardo who was meeting us at the park. And he leans in and he's rubbing my shoulder and he goes, how do I possibly tell Jeremy that we could have been closer to the field? Because I didn't tell you this, I don't think. We go to the seats where I left Jeremy smoking gin. We're in the front row behind the dugout. The Dodger dugout. We're we're literally row AA, uh, which is actually fortuitous that jeremy would be drinking smoked gin the entire fucking night because he's in fucking row aa we had a meeting an impromptu meeting and told me he had a problem uh we're right behind the fucking dugout and the net is in our face you can't get closer to the field unless you're on the dodgers literally unless they sign us to attend day we're not getting closer to the field so Pardo grabs me by the shoulder he's like how do i tell jeremy we need to be closer to the field and i'm like no fucking kidding right and He goes, this is ridiculous And I go, yeah. And he goes, I just, he goes, I, now we got to be funny. Now we got to try. And I'm like, yeah, no kidding. Right? Fuck. So I go, you want to sit down? And first of all, no, actually, I apologize. He gestures at the table. He goes, what the fuck is this? And I go, I don't know. I told one guy he could sit down and, and the entire Wolf of Wall Street came over. And, uh, and I go, you want to sit down? I'll kick one of these fucking idiots out of here. (laughs) They can hear me. And Pardo's like, no, yeah, I'm going to get some food and I'm going to, I'm going to head out. So he gets his food and, uh, I'm eating. And he walks by me again, and he goes, "Why aren't we closer?" Walks past me, so I finish eating, and then I grabbed uh I grabbed a couple of bottles of water. I brought Jeremy a bottle of water. We sit down, we watch the game, we have fun it's pleasant. we're talking and I should tell you the way the seating worked out is Jeremy's on the end. he's in seat one. I'm in seat two, Pardo's in three bex is in seat four, and we invented uh, there's a game that we play at the ballpark with dollars going into cups, and everybody's trading money back and forth and making this happen and uh and, and which is awesome. And and so we're betting we're having fun. um, And by we, I mean, me, Jeremy and Jimmy are having fun. Bex, uh, whom I met in the hotel and was lovely and had a Nationals hat on and actually could converse about baseball. She used to be a Mets fan. She had a lot to say. And then uh, we're talking and, and I keep looking at her at the game and I keep trying to talk to her or engage her. And she literally she she's not could not be less interested in anything that we're saying. She's scoring the game and she's watching it intently. As if somehow she had action on the game, or maybe because she once took a walk through the dugout club and hit the buffet, perhaps she's a part owner now. I have no idea why she's so invested, but she is complete. And and so we keep going, hey, Bex. And she just kind of like gives us the side eye. Like, who are these two? Because again, she's Jeremy's friend. They work together in an office. And look, you might not know this. Although if you've listened to Never Not Funny, perhaps you can uh, get a feel for what I'm going to say here. If you get me and Jimmy together in a small space, that could be a bit much. Uh, if you're if you're on board with it and you know what you're gonna get, we're funny. We're not we're, I mean, we're not on the whole fucking time. We're just uh, Jeremy. Would you argue with that statement? I would not. Okay, we are not on the entire time. No, you guys were having a good time. But also, we're just naturally funny guys who are enjoying themselves at a game. Yeah. Uh, Ahmad, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Ahmad not on board. He understands. Although you were in a, you've only been in a room with me and Jimmy once, yes. and it was a never not funny taping, so he was on. Yeah. I did not need to be on. I was merely a guest. Um, so, uh, so Jeremy will attest, and other people who've met me, show Mike is different from real life Mike, but real life Mike is still a fucking scream. That's all I'm going to tell you. Uh, how rude is that? Seems like silly that I have to fucking make my bona fides to you guys. You listen to the fucking show. You know I'm a funny guy. Who the fuck cares? I don't even forget it. I just said all that whole chunk that just came out of me. So, uh, So we go to the game, we're having a good time. But the point, I guess what I'm trying to say is we're not overwhelming to Bex. We're not like, ha ha, we're not doing shtick. I'm not taking her fucking earbuds and making a laugh or joke or whatever the fuck. We're trying to just involve her. And literally, here's my favorite part you're holding the cup. So, whenever, like, if if your player gets a home run, you get $2 from everybody. We didn't have the cup. We didn't do the cup game. We just did dollars. And so, uh, if your guy hits a home run, you pick guys on the other team, whatever the fuck. And then, if your guy hits a home run, you get $2. If your guy gets a hit, everybody gives you a dollar. If your guy makes it out, you give everybody a dollar. So. Whenever it would happen, we'd go, all right, that's your guy. Let's go. And it was all this camaraderie. Whenever Bex's person made an out or made a hit or anything where she had to give the money, she's literally staring at her phone or her card and would just like hold the dollar out with a tweezers. Like, I don't know where she got barbecue tongs, but she held them at this incredible arm's length. And we had to take the dollar so we didn't touch her or talk to her in any way. It was weird. Um, And here was my thing, my running joke that I kept doing because I was behind her in line to get into the park. And I saw that she had this headset on that plugged into her phone. And I don't know if it played music or what it was, but it was called a jumbler. And it was like J-M-B-L-R. Might have been a jambler. You can pronounce it any way you want. Uh, it's, it's a lot like Brumistan and Brumistan. You guys go ahead and figure out whatever you want to do with it. So it's a jumbler, a jambler. Regardless, it's on her hat. And she's got it plugged into her fucking head. So I kept going. Whenever something would happen, like one time there was a there was a call on the on the scoreboard and they showed the, the broadcast booth. And I looked at her and I go, is this coming in on the jumbler? Are they tuning you in? Can you hear this? And she just kind of rolled her eyes at me. But I thought, seriously, this is, uh, truthfully, I thought Jumbler was going to kill. I thought everybody's going to laugh because I was like, hey, what's with the Jumbler? And then everybody's going to go, what's that? I go, it's a thing on her fucking head. It says Jumbler on it. And I thought I would get an uproarious laugh from our friend Jeremy and our friend Jimmy. And uh, Bex would at least give me some kind of sniff or a grin. Dude, I did did the Jumbler thing. I tried to land it six times easily throughout the entire game. Nobody. I, I got no sold on the Jumbler the entire fucking time. It was such a drag. So we watch the game. Bex ignores us. We're passing money. We're having fun. We're joking. We're laughing. We're having fun with Jeremy. He's telling us about trivia. Jimmy's telling us about his multiple podcast appearances and his award winning show. Never not funny. We all have a discussion about the fact that thank God podcasting was just invented because now what we've been doing for the past seven or eight years can be noticed by people. And by seven or eight years, I mean, 12 or 13 fucking years. Uh, And then I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go get more food. So Jimmy went and he, he came back. Dude, I will tell you this too. Bex was, she led the charge because I got the first food and also you can go to the dugout club and get food, but also there's a fucking, a Sancho who comes to his pay. That dude, he comes over. He's like, what do you guys want? Sodas, whatever. When I mean, You get free soda. You get uh, booze. You got to pay for the booze. Yeah. You got to pay for booze because Jeremy, again, fucking gin, glug, glug, fucking knocking it down. But any hot dogs you wanted, any fucking Cracker jack. Uh, they didn't care if you ever got back folks. So they just brought it all to your fucking table. They brought it up by by table. I mean, your seat. Jesus Christ. Uh, and so they would do that, but also you can go to the dugout club. Like I said, if you wanted to get real fucking food. So, uh, periodically our friend, Jeremy is a a vegetarian for some ridiculous reason. Uh, so he's eating vegan sausages and gin, which uh, honestly is my favorite Oasis album. I'm not going to lie to you. That is a terrific fucking album. You should grab it. Um, I get up in like the seventh inning and I go back to the dugout club. And the reason I did, like I said, Bex led the charge because she goes, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to get something. And she comes back and she has, and I said it in the ballpark and I'll say it to you now, what can only be described as a pile of dessert. It it was brownies and cheesecake and a slice of another cake and a, and a, just a ludicrous stonehenge made out of cookies. I mean, she just fucking had, I was like, Jesus Christ, Bex. Uh, but good for her. Sweet tooth. Fucking knock it down. It's free. She might have she might have filled her purse with it. She might it might have just been that thing. I don't know if Bex has any money. She could be struggling up in Seattle and uh, and she just fucking squirreled away some free desserts. I don't know how she handled her business, but whatever. It was a pile of fucking desserts. So Pardo's like, well, I'm gonna get some food. So he goes back, he gets a dog. And uh and then finally Seventh Inning rolls around and I go, fuck this, I'm gonna get some food now. I don't know if because if the place is still open, I, plus I wanted some water. So Pardo's like, I'll go. So we went and he's like, I'm gonna get some dessert. So he went to the dessert table, and I was like, fuck this, I'm going for real food again. So I go into the back And they're in the middle of kind of closing up shop. There's still food to be eaten, but the sushi guys are still open. And that's the fucking best part. So I go over and they had some California rolls out. They had, but they had, they had real sushi. They had fucking mackerel. They had yellowtail and they had salmon. So I fucking scooped up two pieces of yellowtail and two pieces of salmon. And then I was like, all right, and I'll go look at the other food. So as I'm walking around browsing, I eat these four pieces of sushi. And then I'm like, you know what? I just want fucking sushi. Like what the fuck am I doing? So I go back to the sushi bar and I took all the salmon. They had like four pieces of salmon. I took two pieces of mackerel, two pieces of yellowtail, and they were done making hand rolls, but that didn't give a fuck. It was really good sushi. So I took it and I'm walking. And I should tell you, you're in the dugout club. You have to go up some stairs to go use the restroom or to exit. Well, also on the entrance, which is the exit, that was where chickeny meatballs lived. So I wanted to go visit and see if I could get another chickeny meatball because they were delicious. I should also tell you this. In the middle of the game, I went and got chickeny meatballs. I brought one for uh, Jeremy. He's a vegetarian, you dummy. Why are you bringing him fucking chicken and meatballs? Uh, Or perhaps I brought two because then I could say, oh, one was for Jeremy. Well, maybe I'll just eat these chicken and meatballs myself, whatever the fuck. So I go looking for chicken and meatballs and I do not find chicken and meatballs. I go up to the entrance and uh, there are no chicken and meatballs to be found. But you know what I find at the entrance? Kevin Durant. Basketball superstar, best player in the NBA today, and I will not hear any arguments. Yes, he has a bad Achilles, but so fucking what? His combination of size and skill is the greatest player in the NBA today, and uh, he's there. And he, ha- you know, he's you can't miss him because again, he's he's. They say he's seven foot, but Jesus Christ, you don't care. He blocks out the fucking sun. He could be nine feet tall as far as I fucking know, and he's got a hoodie pulled up over his head. Because after all, he is Kevin Durant, and he doesn't want to be bothered. You know what's not a really good disguise? A hoodie on a seven-foot guy. Because everybody is gathered around looking at his face and going, Kevin, Kevin, KD, photo. And they're they're bothering him. He's not even looking up because he's used to it. He's in his phone, both thumbs fucking flying. And the security is trying to help him. They're like, look, if you go through here, because he's trying to just escape. He just wants to get the fuck out. And he's also with JaVale McGee. And then there's a posse of dudes with him, a bunch of dudes. And the posse of dudes kind of breaks up, and a few of them go down into the dugout club. But KD's leaving, and he goes the other way. JaVale goes the other way. And KD, there, the security's like, hey, go this way, Kevin, go this way. And he goes the opposite way. And uh, you can hear people the whole time, "Ah uh, photo, Kevin, can I get a picture of you? And the security guard looks at uh, the other like, uh, worker for the stadium and goes, oh, they're going to tear him apart in there. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, he just walked into a public area. Like he's trying to get out of here. He literally went where all of the people are. And then you can hear like a big fucking roar from that room. I'm like, all right. So I just, I leave because I want nothing to do with it. I walk downstairs. I've got a plate of sushi. But then I have to admit, I walked past the, uh, the tubular meats station, if you will. There's hot dogs and, uh, there's vegan sausages. There's all these things and in my head. I'm like, should I bring Jeremy another vegan sausage? Is this a contest of some sort? But then I go, no, that's fine. If he wants one, he'll get one because he already turned down my chicken and meatball and cupcake offer from earlier. Yet they were stocking the tubular sausage station with new bratwurst. And you could see the steam coming off of them. And they had been grilled perfectly. So they were brown. Like sometimes kind of you'll get a gray brat. No, fuck that. These were, they had a skin that was brown. They were sizzling in the pan. And I was like, you know what? I would love a fucking bratwurst, but I don't want the bread. But I already got sushi. Well, maybe I wolf down this sushi and then I make myself a brat. Well, wait a minute. What am I going to do here? So I walk over. The guy puts all the bratwurst in the pan and I go over there. And a member of Kevin Durant's, Durant's posse, Durant, Kevin Durant's posse is there. And he's uh, there's because the coffee station and the beverage station is right next to the sausages. So I come to the bratwurst. I get a plate of sushi. I look at it. I look at Kevin Durant's boy with his, uh, his, his, he was a huge dude as well. I think he might've been a bodyguard person because he was big. And I just look at him and I go, dare I add a bratwurst to this place of sushi? And he looks at me and he looks at my plate and he goes, how can you not? And that's all I needed. The go ahead from Kevin Durant security to detail to end a fucking bratwurst to a plate of fucking sushi. And I did, I picked up the hottest, fucking brownest bratwurst and i placed it right on top of the sushi and i have a photo of it that is incredibly obscene because it just looks like a dick laying on a fucking because the, the orange salmon it just looks like a cock laying on a spread open pussy it does i wish it didn't but it does and i took that photo and I go, i'm gonna post this and i go i'm gonna hold off on posting this just until i realize if people are gonna think it's that and then i walk over to my seat and then i put my here's what i did i put my plate on the dugout And I took what I think is a better picture of uh, my chopsticks with bratwurst on top of sushi at the ballpark. And uh, and I so I have both photos. I'll post perhaps I'll post both of them. Who knows what I'll do. Uh, But but it was it was like it was my table. I put it on the dugout and I just and I took the photo and it was grand. We watched the rest of the game. We watched the fireworks. Uh, Pardo got into his car and then we wound up getting another fucking uh, Uber which was, uh, that was a Yukon. What the fuck was that thing? That was another giant fucking vehicle. And we get in with another Russian guy because only they're allowed to own these giant vehicles in this fucking town. And we dropped uh, Jeremy off at his hotel. And it was fucking amazing. Say like goodbye to Bex. Uh, so, so I can't thank Jeremy enough for bringing me to that game. It's two years in the making, but well worth the wait, if you would agree. I would totally agree. It was fucking fantastic. And I mean, well, I mean, for you, just sitting with me and Jimmy, of course, is clearly... Uh-huh. That's the home run, all the home run vibe, the World Series vibe, the fucking Yankees and Dodgers. Who the fuck cares? You forgot to out Tommy Lasorda. Holy shit. I'm in the fucking dugout club and I'm eating and uh, I'm not joking. Bex just sent me a friend request that just popped up on my fucking screen. I'm not joking. That's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. It literally just because I'm, I'm looking at my laptop and zoom it slides in. Bex W, I won't say her last name, has sent you a friend request. Just I say that so Jeremy doesn't think I just made it up. Literally, Bex W just sent you a friend. Goddamn, that's awesome! I just said she hated me. She fucking you know what? She's picking up the show on the Jumbler. I guarantee it right now. She's getting the live broadcast tuned in on the fucking satellite feed from the Jumbler, baby. Hi, Bex. What's up, beautiful? We're gonna be friends momentarily, and by momentarily I mean probably an hour. Uh, that's gorgeous. I, I am so happy that that just happened. All right. Uh, but so I'm in the dugout club I'm eating before Pardo shows up to talk to me. Fucking Tommy Lasorda wanders into the club. And uh, and so I look, I'm normally I'm a polite person and I, I walk up and I'm like, hey, can I take a photo of you? Would it be OK? Fuck that, man. It's Tommy Lasorda. He doesn't even know where he is at this point. So I just take a fucking snapshot of him as he's hugging people and going, go blue, whatever the fuck his I can literally hear the death rattle come out of his throat just after go blue. Uh, and, and then I put it on Instagram and I'm like, oh, the hated Yankees are in town. Thaw the Lasorda. Because he looked, I mean, he looked like he'd just come out of some cryogenic fucking chamber, baby. And good for him. You know, it's funny. I used to date Randy and she, she told me a story that she met, because she's a huge Dodger fan, huge baseball fan. And she met Lasorda at a game and she's like, I'm pretty sure he was hitting on me. I mean, like I, because he was older. And so he did that old guy handsy thing where he's kind of going, hey, here, look at you, cutie. And then, oh, look, I bet I can fit my finger in your navel. What the fuck is that? Oh, my God. Back off. Holster those hands, grandpa. You're not about to get close to me. But sure enough, they grab you. They put put you on their lap. Oh, gee, look at you. Don't you smell good? Oh, my God. Stop. Fucking Lasorda. Back off um but luckily he did not hit on me but i still i took a photo of him and i put it on my instagram go check out my instagram if you want to see tommy lasorda or the corpse of tommy lasorda whatever the fuck they propped up for everybody there in the club and eventually you'll see a a very pornographic bratwurst and salmon photo uh but it was fantastic man it was just it was so great that's one of the reasons why jeremy's in town like i said he came to town he organized the whole baseball trip around this uh san diego fucking anaheim and here are you getting to san francisco no He's not going to make San Francisco. But you know what? Next year, fucking come down. I'll meet you there. We'll go. It's fucking fantastic. Uh, And and I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he showed up. And and then he came in. And also, he sat in on this show. And then he's also sitting in on Never Not Funny later this week, correct? Correct. He'll be sitting in with Jimmy and Never Not Funny. I don't know who the guest will be, but they they don't like to tell people. And then you're also, have you already or will you be? Last night. Last night you did. All right, so last night he went ahead and he sat in with our great friends, Laurie Kilmartin and Jackie Cation in the Jackie and Laurie podcast, which if you don't listen to, you should download now uh, to hear uh, Laurie Kilmartin talk about doing sets and Jackie Cation talking about doing sets. And then Laurie going, no, I do more sets. And then Jackie goes, no, I do even more sets. And then they pull out a fucking pool full of Jello and they fucking fight. It's great. Uh, We're having fun. Me too. Everybody's joking. We're having a good time. All right, so uh, because, again, I'm talking about two women infinitely more successful than myself and also crazy talented writers and performers. Please go see Jackie. Please go see Lori. Please do not tell them I had a scenario where they wrestled in a waiting pool full of jello. Please do not bring that up to them. Uh, but they are lovely and talented and incredibly funny. And you said it on the show, and it was uh, acceptable. It was great. Not as good as this, correct? Correct. All right. Well, that's that's clearly the case. But uh, I'm glad. And how long was their show? Of course, because how do other podcasts do it? They sit down, they put out some bullshit fucking Steve Jobs, NASA fucking space clock. And they're like, all right, as soon as this hits 60.00, we are fucking done. And then they chase you out the goddamn door. They glad hand you three seconds short. Second short, 59, 57. And then there's other, but those other three minutes were the goodbye. Goodbye, Jeremy. Here's a tomato Boom, He drove off because Jackie has a garden and she had likes putting up photos of her fucking vegetables, her vegetables. Uh, uh, now was, uh, was, was there bread? It was, it, was there bread there? No. Okay, I'm just, because uh, it's never going to be bread. Isn't that the name of uh, Jackie's album, or wasn't that a? Was there, name of uh, Yeah, it's never going to be yeah. bread, I believe. Right. Uh, so see, look at the fun I'm having with Jackie's album. Um. So he went last night, and he sat in on Jackie and Lori, who again, rigidly timed. Now, I will tell you this. Is that one of the reasons why they're infinitely more successful than me? Perhaps it is. Because they don't go off on a tangent about finger blasting the queen or whatever the fuck I talked about a couple of weeks ago that everybody still keeps sending me emails about. Uh, But, you know, you come here and you sit in, and when the people here from Emerald Alawadi Industries or corporation or fucking conglomerate or corp, I'm going to call it Emerald Alawadi Corp if you don't mind. It's more of an LLC. Was it? I'm going to call it an S Corp. For now, if you don't mind, because we're in California and I don't want them to audit me in some fucking ridiculous way. Uh, No, it's an LLC. We'll call it an LLC. And uh, which, of course, means lady loves ladies, love cool, Mike. And that's uh, why they're excited. So uh, so he's here. We're happy. Jeremy came in and sat in. And uh, and it's I I look up now and I'm thinking that uh, this is a natural ending for the show. But there is an entire thing I was going to talk about that I never fucking got to. And I don't understand what happened. So I will leave it to the bosses at the uh, the heads of Emerald Alawadi. Do I plunge forward? Or do I go into the plugs now, and uh, and, and which will probably also include that story? So either way, should I do it before the plugs, or should I do it after the plugs? Before. But you say before. Uh, Now again, I need a quorum. Ahmad, do you care? You're busy playing. You're killing. You're slaying a hound tooth or something like that. You're you're having a flagon of mead with with avatars. So I'm I can't possibly bother you. Um. Ahmad is here as well. I'm very lucky that I'm spending time with my friends and, and that they like to do things. Because, again, as you've mentioned, do, uh, brooding in the dark, Mike, is is that's 350 days a year. But, oh, the other 12 days. Jesus Christ. Uh, and then I don't know what the other three days are. I just forgot how many days are in a goddamn year. The fuck's going on? <laughs> that was stupid. Uh, I threw another dozen. Because, you know, I got a dozen in my head from the fucking years of the podcast. All right, so. Ahmad is here, and he and I have had an unbelievable time. His first, uh, when he got to town, we uh, first day we streamed, and then he fucking he was ready to pass out at like seven thirty in the evening. So I drove him to, to, to the fucking porta potty, and he grabbed a nap. Picked him up the next day. We went and saw Quentin Tarantino's film for the fourth time, and by so the four I was four time for me, first time for our friend Ahmad. He had not seen this film, and uh, how many more times are you going to see it, Ahmad? Zero. Uh, but did you like it? I did. He liked it very much, but Ahmad does not see things more than once. Uh, uh, You know, he doesn't. Please don't listen to him now. I'm going to refute that fact. No, he he liked the movie very much, but he also went, I've seen it. That's good. I thought it was good. And, and uh, what was your review of it? Can I say it or do you want to say it? He goes, hey, I went here knowing Tarantino was going to jerk off in my face. So that's what I was expecting. And Tarantino jerked off in my face. And uh, and that's exactly what he was looking for. That's exactly what he wanted. And he was excited to get it. No, you were. You're always looking for it, sir. Uh, So good for him. So we went to the movie and we had a good time. And then afterwards, I was like, hey, man, there's a restaurant I haven't tried in Los Angeles. You want to go to it? And uh, it's a restaurant. I'm going to identify it by name, because why not? It's a restaurant called KONBI, K-O-N-B-I. And it is a small Japanese tea house sort of establishment that serves fancy sandwiches. And I followed them on Instagram. They have like a pork katsu sandwich. They have a, a new BLT sandwich that they call it the PLT because it has chashu pork instead of bacon. And I was like, this sounds like a good place to bring a Muslim. And uh, so I'm like, let's go to the fucking place that has four different pork sandwiches. God damn, Won't Allah be thrilled. <laughs> so I bring them to this fucking joint. And, uh, and also they're famous for their Japanese egg salad, their Japanese potato salad. They also close at like three thirty in the afternoon or three o'clock in the afternoon. So it's one of those things you got to get there fucking early. They have pastries. They have fucking hazelnut financiers or financiers. I should say not financiers. Hey, we had a, a discussion about that. Hazelnut financiers, financiers and they have croissants, chocolate and regular. They have whatever. It's supposed to be amazing. I followed them on Instagram. It's always photos of food. Looked good. We went, signed the clipboard which, as you know, is one of the four items you'll get if you decide to go ahead and track this show. Uh, just go ahead and let me know. Got that visor, got that pen, got that clipboard, and got that fucking, uh, uh, what was it, a chair? What the fuck was the other fourth the thing? Somebody write me and tell me. An abacus. <laughs> one for Jeremy. Uh, we go to Conby, we sign up, we wait. We get seated at the counter just before the closing. And I'm like, well, let's try, you know, let's try a chocolate croissant. Ahmad can't eat the pork, so I'm going to get a pork sandwich so we can't share mine. There's an egg salad sandwich. We get that. We get the potato. So Ahmad gets the potato salad. We're going to split the egg salad and I'm going to eat the pork katsu sandwich. And it comes and it's fucking, uh, it's a big sandwich, man. They cut it into three sections. It's presented in a very neat Japanese way. It looks beautiful. Presentation is gorgeous. Uh, there's bulldog sauce on the katsu sandwich and uh, and we're eating it. And uh, there's a you know a full house and people still waiting. And I eat the katsu and... Uh, Folks, it was a pork katsu sandwich. I'm not going to argue with you. And then they bill their their egg salad as an egg salad sandwich. I am going to tell you this right now. It was absolutely an egg salad sandwich. And then they had a chocolate croissant. And God damn it, it was a croissant with chocolate in it. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say to you folks there was nothing remarkable about lunch at Conby. And this is a place I followed on Instagram and people will like retweet them and put their pictures out and go, holy fuck, food nirvana at Japanese tea kitchen Conby. And it was named one of the top 15 places to eat in Hollywood. You had to go and have this stuff or just outside of Hollywood, like near Eagle Rock, Silver Lake. And um, and, and I mean, the fucking the egg salad sandwich was 13 bucks. I think the pork katsu sandwich was 13 bucks. The croissant was maybe six. The potato salad was five. I got a I got a Yuzu soda, which was delicious because I, I like bitter. I didn't I loved it very much. But but it just, we we're eating, and I looked at him and I'm just like, dude, this I mean, this is kind of unremarkable, right? And he's like, it's good. And I go, yeah, it is good. But I I expected a fucking home run. If everybody's telling me this is the joint and they're tweeting pictures and shit like that, and and he was like, eh, it's all right. But it was just, it literally I said, I looked at him and I go, I could make this egg salad at my house. He goes, absolutely you could. I mean, it was just there was nothing. There was nothing eventful about this lunch. And I, so then I felt, yeah, I feel dumb bringing him to places like that. Cause I'm like, dude, we got to go to fucking Conby just like I did in Canada. Dudes, we got to go have this fucking fried chicken. They burn the fuck out of it. Everybody hates me. Uh, and, and so now I'm out. furious at me. He won't let me pick any more food the rest of the week. I'm sure. Um, but it was just an unremarkable meal. We went to Conby. It wasn't, it wasn't great. And then uh, we wound up going on, on Thursday. Where did we go? Did we do? I don't think we did much of anything else. Wednesday we went to Tarantino. Thursday we, uh, Oh we I will tell you this while you're thinking of that we spent the week looking for a Popeye's chicken sandwich <laughs> There's a Popeye's a fucking quarter mile from my house not even And uh and I and I, and I the first night I dropped him off was on uh, I you know I got back from Canada Tuesday night and then I picked him up Wednesday morning at 7:30 uh, from LAX and then that night I was like you hungry he's like no I said all right I'll just take you back to your hotel I go to the hotel and on the way back, I go, you know what? I'm going to go get a Popeye's chicken sandwich because I don't know if you know this, folks. It's gone viral. It's, it's now a meme. It's now a, everybody in the world has to eat the new Popeye's chicken sandwich and have their opinion on it noted. So I pulled in by um, on my way home. I'm on I'm on a, a road. I can't tell you where because that'll just show you where I live. But I live, like I said, about a quarter mile up the street. And then there's a gas station. If I turn in behind the gas station, I can actually get right in the drive through for Popeye's. Uh, and so I, I, turn in and there's headlights. So there's obviously people in the drive thru So I'm like, all right, well, I'll go to the back of the line. I pull through and I make a glance. There's six cars ahead of me. And then as I pull over, there's two more cars in the parking lot. So I'm like, all right, I'll be ninth in line, whatever the fuck it's eight o'clock. He went home. I'll get a sandwich. So as I pulled out to turn around, there's more cars in the street. And I turn and I roll the window down and I look at this woman at the front and I go, Hey, are you in line for Popeye's she goes, Oh yeah, we all are. And I'm like, oh! And I roll the window up, and I pull around. Dudes, the fucking line is down the block and around the fucking corner. I counted it. There's 22 cars in line for Popeyes at 8:15 at night for a chicken fucking sandwich. Are you kidding me, right? There's a chicken sandwich. There's chicken sandwiches all over the goddamn world, but there's 22 people in fucking line. And I laughed. It was hilarious. So actually, I actually, I, I had to call my mom because I hadn't talked to her the whole time I was in Canada. And I was, so I, I, she's on the phone with me while I check. I go, Mom, there's 22 people in line for a fucking chicken sandwich. She's like, What? And she goes, I saw that on, on, on the news. And I'm like, It's crazy. That's ridiculous. Nobody fucking, I can't wait an hour for a chicken sandwich. And then I look in the lobby, lobby's packed. There's people all filled up. So I go, Fuck this, go home. So I go home. Next day, I pick a mod up and I tell him that story. And we come back and I go, You know what? You want to try it now? Like, it's fucking Wednesday. We'll go get him for lunch. He's like, Sure. Or no, I apologize. That's a lie. Wednesday, I pick him up and I have to go to the gym. So I pick them up and I bring them home and then I go to the gym. And as I'm going to the gym, I look, there's people in line already at 10 a.m. And I think they opened at 10 or possibly at 1030. So I drive. I do my workout. About an hour and a half, two hours goes by. I come back and the line again, there's there's 15 fucking cars. And I come back to get a mod. We we wind up uh, the next day. Finally, he goes, hey, man, we're gonna have to wait anyway. I said, all right, so let's, let's go. So we go to line, and I get there and it turns out it's a miracle. There's only like fucking eight cars in line. So we pull up, we get in line and all, and then a bunch of cars line up behind us. So about 25 minutes goes by. We pull up, we pull up, we pull up. And I should tell you, it's fucking 1230 in the afternoon. We pull up, we pull up. We finally get to the window, the fucking speaker and it's one o'clock. I roll the window down and she goes, how can I help you? I said, hi, we need two spicy chicken sandwiches. I'm sorry. We're out of chicken sandwiches. One o'clock in the fucking afternoon. Also, no sign to tell people they're out of chicken sandwiches. Also, they have a line. I look over, there's still there's another 15 cars behind me waiting to order chicken sandwiches. You're not going to come out and fucking tell anybody? How are you out in two hours? So I into the speaker, of course, because I have to make a commentary. I just go, you know this is ridiculous, right? And she's just like, sorry, sir. And I'm, I, so I drive off. And because apparently I'm fucking... Who's it? Benedict Arnold. Who the fuck's riding into the street with the British are coming? Who's that asshole? Paul Revere. Paul Revere. That fucking guy. I'm the Paul Revere of chicken sandwiches. So I fucking pull over and I roll my window down. and I'm like, they're out of sandwiches. They're out. everybody. I look at everybody in their window. I go, they're out of sandwiches. Hey, they're out of sandwiches. And everybody's like, oh, really? Only two people get out of line and drive off. Everybody else is like, haha, You're not going to fool me. And they just like scooch forward and they stay in the fucking line. And a part of me wanted to stay there just to see them all go to the speaker and get told they were out of fucking chicken sandwiches. But instead of and I just laughed and we went and got lunch somewhere else. Uh, and then Saturday came and went. I went to that. It was when I went to the Dodger game. That was Friday. And then Saturday, uh, we were talking about whether we should get sandwiches. And my was like, ah, let's fucking wait. Uh, but then finally Sunday, yesterday, in the morning, I was like, all right, you know what? Let's take another fucking shot. I picked him up at the at, at the, the hotel at the porta potty. And we fucking drove over. And there was only five cars in the drive-thru. And we were up to the front in like 15 minutes. And uh, I ordered chicken sandwiches. We got the elusive Popeye spicy chicken sandwich, got a side of dirty rice, got a side of Cajun potatoes, came to my house. And uh, I took a photo of that too. I'll show you. That'll be fantastic. You'll love that photo. Idiot. And, uh, and we bust them out. And I, I, you know, again, it's everybody's like Popeye's fucking defeated Chick-fil-A, whatever the fuck everybody's have Their, their opinions are well known. So I'm like, all right, well, I want to try this thing. And I take a bite of it and uh, they did it. They've defeated Chick-fil-A. This fucking sandwich was amazing. For a fast food chicken sandwich. Now, look, it's not... Like, I've had a better chicken sandwich at Night Market Song. It's a Thai joint here in town. I've had a better chicken sandwich at Son of a Gun, which is the restaurant the animal guys own. Uh, Howlin' Ray's has a chicken sandwich as well. But fucking... For, for fast food... look For Chick-fil-A. Basically, for them versus Chick-fil-A, it's not a contest, dude. It's Popeye spicy chicken, but it was moist. The pickles were delicious. Like, there was this fuck. I mean, it was... I was shocked. I, I because I bit it and I'm chewing it because I'm waiting for it to be dried or to be too much crusty, you know, breading or whatever the fuck. I'm chewing it and I look at him and I go, Jesus Christ, they did it, and uh which is fucking stupid because now I sound like a weird scientist or the Albert Einstein of fucking fast food. And I'm like, they did it, <laughs> Eureka! And Amon is just like, this is really good, and I'm like, yeah, it is really good. It's fucking it destroys Chick Fil A, but Ahmad, you don't like Chick Fil A anyway, right? Oh, he oh, he loves Chick Fil A. I apologize. Go ahead, I don't listen to a word that man says. Chick fil A sauce is that barbecue like fucking mayonnaise stuff, you dip the waffle fries in it, holy fuck, absolutely. But I'll tell you what, man, a spicy Popeye's chicken sandwich with a side of fucking dirty rice, that goes head to head with the Chick fil A sandwich with a side of waffle fries and the, and the fucking Chick fil A sauce. sauce. Sauce wins? Yeah. I'm not a sauce guy though. I'm not a freestanding cheese and I'm not a sauce guy. As we know, clearly. So I mean I would go Chick I would go, go Popeye sandwich. Popeye sandwich clear winner, but you get the voice from the Middle East and he goes with the fucking Chick fil A. So I mean, who knows? But, my point is, I ate it. I was shocked. I didn't think it would be that good Saturday uh <laughs> Saturday was a day of introspection and learning. <laughs> Saturday, we had been running around, we'd been to movies, we'd been all over the place we'd been I went to the ball game Friday night with our buddy Jeremy and then uh Saturday night, I had a show called Story Smash to do at the improv in Hollywood. I booked this, Christine Blackburn, who hosts the Storyworthy podcast and also the Story Smash podcast. She asked me a couple of weeks ago if I would be interested. Well, first of all, she asked me three months ago when, Jeremy, the last time you were in town, he saw me, uh, he saw the Superpower Summit. He saw Christine Blackburn come over to me and, and to quote Elton John, wrap herself around me like a well-worn tire uh, because Christine Blackburn is just the kind of coolest, f- most fun, most open uh, handsy, touchy, feely, hippie, fucking everything's great type of person, personality, just a great energy. You want to know Christine Blackburn. She's the fucking coolest. The the yeah, she's like, you want to come to the show? And she just, she's just and, uh, telling me about her show. We went up talking about her. She's got like a podcast empire. I think she's got four different shows. She's got a deal with iHeartRadio that she had at the time. Uh, She's just amazing. And she's a hustler. She's got a beautiful daughter named Alabama. I met her boyfriend there at the party. He's a fucking cool guy. Uh, It was just great. We had a really good time. And she said, hey, man, you've got to come do, you got to do my show. And I thought she meant story worthy because I haven't been on that show since fucking 2012. And I'm like, I'd love to do it. I go, I did it once before. She goes, oh, I mean, story smash. She goes, it's coming up next week. And I said, oh, okay. I I said, I want to see it before you had me on to make sure what the format was. She goes, oh, my God, it's storytelling. You'll be perfect in it. And she goes, I want you to be a judge. I said, you sure? She goes, yeah. Oh my God, you'd be a judge. You'd be terrific because the judges, you know, they get to talk the whole show. If you're telling a story, you're just kind of hit and run. But if you're a a judge, you're a presence on the show. And I'm like, that's fucking fantastic. Whatever you want me to do. I said, you write me, you tell me the date and I'm in if I'm in town. So then that following week, I went to story smash and I watched it. I watched the format. The way it works is uh, Christine's the host. There's three judges and there's five contestants. Each one spins a wheel of stories and it will land on a category And then you have to tell in the first round, you've got to tell a one minute story about that category. And then in the second round, you spin the wheel. You got to tell a two minute story about whatever comes up. And then two contestants are chosen from the five to go to the finals and tell a three minute story about whatever they spin the wheel about. So I watched the show. People were good. Some people weren't, but it was okay because it was a format. Some people got it. Some people didn't. It was kind of a, it was a well-organized car wreck. And Christine was at the center of it, holding it all together. The judges did a great job. I had a really good time. And it was funny because she's like, hey, I'll comp you in. And I go, I'll buy a ticket. She's like, what? I said, yeah, I go, I'll support my friend's show. And she just is like, you are amazing, Mike Schmidt. And I'm like, ah, fuck. I mean, I'll buy a ticket. Because again, I want to do the show. So why not? It's like a scouting trip. You know what I mean? I'll go check it out. I'll scout it out and see what's going on. Because as you all know, I keep threatening to get back on stage. As you all know, I'm like, well, I should go to this. I should go to an open mic. And maybe I do this. And maybe I do that. And then I finish this. I turn off the microphone. I put the show up on Thursday night. Tim. And then uh, Brooding in the Dark Mike takes over for six days. And there you go. So uh, I didn't hear from her for a few months. And I was like, I should follow up with Christine. And I went, nah, fuck it. If she wants you to do it, she'll do it because that's who I am in my head. She literally told me, I want you to do it, I want you to be a judge. The offer was on the table. I could have written her and said, hey, man, I want to do this. Uh, But I said, nah, you know what? Maybe she was just being nice. I'm a fucking weirdo. So out of the blue, I get an email. It was a couple of weeks ago. And she's like, hey, how would you like to do the August Story Smash? I've been thinking about it. I'd rather you were a contestant than a judge. Uh, I think it would work better that way. And I was like, kind of like, oh, man, because now contestant, first of all, I only get to do, a couple minutes on stage, but also, you know, <laughs> you, you'll understand this about me. Now I'm back in prove it mode. If I'm a judge, I'm a judge. So I get to be funny and there's no pressure and I just get to kind of help people and score people on their their story, whatever the fuck. You're just there. You're part of the selling point of the show. But if I'm a contestant, now I'm legitimately a contestant. I have the audience I got to worry about. I got judges I got to worry about. And I have to, and this will sound harsher than i mean it to i have to try and the only reason i mean that is because as a judge i won't have to try i'm 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 going to say this scoff if you will i'm effortlessly funny so in the moment i can be effortlessly funny as a judge with no stakes but as a contestant i've got to hit the clock i've got a minute i've got a cold audience who doesn't know me i've got judges it adds a whole different element to what i was planning to be to do at the show but at the same time I can't expect to be a judge when again, brooding in the dark, Mike, has been taking over my fucking life for three years. I don't get on stage. Nobody knows the fuck I am. She needs judges with names to sell the fucking gig. So she writes me, and it was August 24th, was the date of the show, and I knew my August was insane. I knew I was going to Canada for a while. I knew Ahmad was coming to town. I knew I was going to Chicago. I just wasn't sure about all the dates. So I had to contact Ahmad in Kuwait, and I wrote him a note. I said, hey, look, I got an offer to do a Story Smash show. Now, in my head, I've already decided eh, this probably isn't a good idea to do this because with all the fucking whirlwind of stuff, how will I be able to go ahead and study? I want to make sure I do a good job. Again, all the things I tell myself to keep myself from succeeding. Well, you know what? I don't have enough time to prepare. Folks, think of how ludicrous that is. I would be at telling at most six minutes worth of stories on stage. And I doubt my capacity to be ready to do that in three weeks. What the fuck is wrong with me? I got to fucking snap out of that. So I write a mod and, and, and look, I won't lie. I'm sending, I'm sending it his way, hoping he will either say he really wants to go or he'll say, now nah, we probably shouldn't do that because then a, the decision's out of my hands. B, he gives me the excuse to back out or C, I'm excited to have a friend who wants to see me perform. So I wrote him the note and I'm like, hey, look, I get this offer to do story smash. Are we, do we have anything planned for Saturday? Is there anything you want to do? Should I skip it? What? And he just writes me up and he's like, I think that'd be fucking great. Uh, because Ahmad, in addition to being one half of Emerald Alawadi Corp, uh, thinks I'm really funny and wants to see me succeed. And he's been telling me, like my trainer, John's been telling me, like a lot of you have been telling me, uh, what the fuck are you doing, man? You should be out there. You should be doing this. So he saw the opportunity and he fucking seized it. And it made me happy because I wanted him to be there. And it was exciting for me to have him there. So I wrote Christine. I go, Hey, I'm in. Just tell me what I'm doing and tell me when. So August 24th, I've known for three weeks and now I got to prepare. And then I'm like, well, how do you prepare? What do I got to do? Oh my God. And then, then, you know me, I talked myself out of preparing. I'm like, what do I got to do? But I also knew, I'll tell you this. I knew I wasn't going up fucking cold, man. I can vamp. I can talk for a fucking hour about nothing. So if they, if it was just storytelling, I knew I have stories locked and loaded to tell all fucking day. It was the wheel that was going to be the issue. So luckily Christine prepares her performers. She sends me a list of topics and it's pets, drunk tank, holidays, vacation. I mean, all these, uh, there's a ton of different topics. There's again, there's 12 different topics. There's two spots on the wheel that say, uh, audience. And then there's one spot on the wheel that says free. So if you hit audience, the audience gets to pick anything that they want you to talk about. It doesn't even have to be on the wheel. If you pick free, if you hit free, you can pick, you can pick your own topic off the wheel and tell the fucking story. But if you hit any of the other topics, you have to tell a story about that topic. So then, as you know, I'm a fucking ninny. So I'm like, Jesus Christ, what am I going to talk about vacations? Oh my God, I don't know what to do here. I mean, I don't go on a lot of vacations. I mean, it's one minute. It's one minute of a story, but I still, I, I will fucking speed bag myself over and over. Do, 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 do. You can't do this. Do, 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 do. What the fuck? Do, 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 do. How will I think of this? I mean, I will just beat myself up and tell myself I can't do it. But in reality, I know I can fucking do it and I know Ahmad is coming. So I know I have to fucking do it and I want to fucking do it. So on the flights to and from Canada, on the flights to and from uh, Chicago, I, I sat down and I, I took a screenshot of her email and I put on my phone, I put all of the categories in the notes And I just started to think of ideas for stories that would fit these categories. And I started to just put them in there. I plugged them in. I plugged them in because in my head, here's how prepared I was going to be, folks, for a storytelling show that might be only three minutes, but could be six minutes. I wanted to have three stories locked and loaded for every topic. So that means I needed to have 36 fucking stories ready to go because I want to lead with my best fucking punch. If I'm doing this fucking thing in front of a cold audience, a show I've never done before, I've got to impress Christine. I don't know who the fucking judges are going to be, but I got to impress them. And I got to fucking impress myself because I know how good I am at this shit. So I fucking start making a list of shit to do. And then I'm starting to go, well, fuck, man, I'm not going to come up with 36 fucking stories. That's insane. So I kept putting this here and I'm moving this around. I'm doing all this stuff. So finally, the Saturday of the show, like I was when Ahmad came to town, I picked him up Wednesday. I go, look, I have to work this week. At some point, I said, I got the Dodger game on Friday. But then I also have to work where I have to sit down and figure out what I'm doing Saturday night. I said, I can't just go up and vamp. And he goes, yeah, that's no problem. Fucking go ahead. So Saturday, I sat with him. I said, and I even put it off till Saturday. Cause I was like, well, I can do it at night when I drop a mod off, I could do this. And I go, no, man, just do it all day Saturday. Just fucking make it work. Picked the mod up that day, brought him to the hotel or brought him here to the apartment. And then I sat down and I made a list and I was bouncing it off him. He helped me, he helped me construct the list. I had a core group of like 10 stories. And what we did was I because I, I, the two the two weakest categories I had were pets and vacation. And I thought drunk tank would be weak. So I would say to Ahmad, I'm just like, man, I got no vacation stories. He goes, you went to Japan with me. I mean, there's fucking there's stories there. And I go, yeah, but I and I tried to explain to Ahmad. He understood. So it's not not tried to explain like he was obstinate. I had to tell him stories. You have to start with the end. Uh, the stories on here are different because I can fly and go all over the place and I can think of the end on the fly usually. But if you're in front of a live audience, it's totally different. I want to have the end, the beat, the punchline, the button. I need that. And then you work backwards. You figure out how you figure out your ending and then you figure out how to get there. Getting there. That's that's what I can do easily. That's vamping, tossing in jokes, being funny off the top of your head. But it has to have a strong punch. If it's a storytelling show, I can meander and stand up. I can be all over the place if I want, but a storytelling show has the story has to have a fucking ending. I don't give a fuck if it's 60 minutes or 60 seconds, you have to leave them with a fucking punch. So I start putting stuff around and moving it here and there. And he's like, well, you have the stories about vacation. I go, yeah, but I only have one really. And then I had, I go, well, this can go under drunk tank. I go, this can go under school days. And he goes, that story fits anywhere. I go. What do you mean? He goes. Well, you could say it was the Fourth of July and that happened. You could say it was this. It was a holiday and it happened because there's literally there was holidays, vacations, school days, mom, and I. I mean, every story I had. I'm, I'm listing them, and he's right. He's like, you could fit this here. This could go. And I was like, he he. He unlocked the the Hellraiser box, because I was just puzzling at it. I'm looking. It's like looking at a Rubik's cube and going, how the fuck do I solve this? This has to go here. These all have to be orange. These have to be green. These have to be yellow. And he just solved it. He goes, dude, you got eight great stories that you think are fucking great. Figure out a way to work them within the categories. And I was like, holy fuck. Yeah, that's the trick. That's the fucking trick. You just come in armed with whatever your fucking badass stories are and you try to work them and shoehorn them in. The problem is doing it within the time limit, whatever. It's it's just, it was like science. It was like sitting down and trying to, you're in you're, math, you're solving a problem. And he solved it. Huh? Well, of course I had the, the abacus out. The story abacus always comes out when I'm writing. So, uh, so he's like, do this. And and so then I start, then it all falls into place. I've got three stories for certain topics, but again, it turns out the weakest ones I have are drunk take, vacation and pets. But then I'm also, I'm, I'm kind of saying the stories out loud. I'm, I'm running them by him and stuff. And I, I go, you know what? Jesus Christ. I go, every one of my stories either has my mom or sex in it. And he goes, well, that's who you are. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. What the fuck, exactly? So I, I then, you know, I list it all. I take a shower. We had to go down to the improv, and uh, I had him quiz me, like fucking old school quiz me. Like he would, he'd have the phone in his hand, and he'd go vacation, and I'd say the 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 story, pets. I said the top story, holiday. I said the top story, school days, mom. I was, you know, mom, Lynn, school days. You're, you know, whatever the fuck, and uh, holidays. All all of them. On Fourth of July, you're finished. I mean, like I. I I had them all locked and I had them all loaded And the good news was all I had to do was worry about the first story because then I was going to come off stage and look at my phone and I could just kind of brush up and study and remember what goes with everything, even though he quizzed me the whole way down the fucking Canyon. I was still a little worried though. I didn't want to go up on stage and you fucking hit the wrong fucking space and go, oh man, what was this? But also at the same time, I'm like, trust your instincts, dude. If you got to plug in another fucking story, plug in a story. But you know me, I want to be clean and get it done the way I want to get it done. So we get there, we park. Uh, we pop into the improv. Christine's really nice. They open a curtain. They sit a bunch of people down. Everybody's cool. I meet the other competitors. There's a, uh, there's a woman named Judith Shelton, who is a larger than life presence. There is David Crabb, who I was told was the guy to beat. I talked to a couple of people who were involved with story smash and they're like, oh man, David Crabb is like, he's the champion, the all-time champion, which was funny. I found that out before they announced who I was going against. And they're like, Hey, David Crabb at story smash. I'm like, I'm Oh, <laughs> of course. That's another fucking thing. I got to defeat. Uh, there was another woman named Aina Lamore, maybe? I don't know. Me, Judith, David, Ina, and then they have an audience member. That's one of the gimmicks is audience members can sign up to be in the storytelling contest. And uh when I wrote a mod a month ago to tell them that this existed, I, I literally said to Michael, by the way, an audience member gets to enter this. I'm telling you right now, if I lose to a fucking audience member, I'm taking a flamethrower to that fucking place. And he goes. Now I'm putting my name in the hat. Fuck that. I'm in. Because uh, <laughs> because uh, he has a very funny story that I'm not going to tell her on the podcast. But it's he's got he's got it and he had it locked and loaded and ready to fucking tell. Uh, <laughs> so we go to the club. I I sit in the corner with him. And I even felt weird because like all the other performers are in this bullpen and I'm over with a mod, and I'm like so I had to kind of drift over and say hi to people I wanted to. And the judges, I will tell you this. Here's the judges. A woman named Annie something. She's an actress, been on Seinfeld, a bunch of different stuff. But the two judges I knew are my friend, Blaine Capatch, who I, who I actually know. And, uh, and then, of course, Danny Zucker is their kind of the house judge. He's the Simon Cowell, as she puts it, of Story Smash. And he is the inventor of Modern Family, the creator of the show Modern Family. So in my head, I'm like, all right. I actually have to admit part of me is like, well, it's not a bad thing to be funny in front of Danny Zucker. So we'll see what happens. So, uh, they draw names out of the hat. They want to pack in the place and, uh, and you know, they, they, Ida Lamore goes up and you got a minute to tell a fucking story. Uh, she finally calls me up on stage. I go up there and, uh, I got to spin the wheel and she, actually Christina to take me aside. She's like, listen, do me a favor don't go crazy spinning the fucking wheel, please. She goes, it's just, it's, it's very sensitive and you're a big dude. Just don't, don't rip it out of the wall, whatever. I'm like, no problem. So I spin the wheel and I'm trying to remember everything as it's going through. It's this moment where she's talking and I'm just breathing and then it's slowing down and I see it slowing down and I'm like, Oh uh, no. Uh, all right, keep going. Da, 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 da. I wanted school days. I wanted any of that. I wanted holidays. I could make that work. Uh, and, and, uh, it stops on drunk tank Now, as you know, Drunk Tank, one of my three weakest categories, but at least in my brain, I go, Drunk Tank, all right, Laporta Pants. I remembered what the story was going to be. And she goes, all right, so uh, whenever you're ready. And I was, I, so I look at the microphone and then I'm like, is are you going to tell me to go or what? She goes, oh no, the clock starts whenever you go. I go, okay, great. So I, uh, I launch into the story and I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm telling the story that people are in the audience and, um, Ahmad, is it fair to say I'm doing well? All right, so that I'm I'm getting laughs like the, the whole time like there's beats with laughs, beats with laughs, and in a minute you know you're I'm doing good right from the jump because I know how to fucking speak to people, baby. I know how to use fucking language. I know how to tell a goddamn story. Like I said, sixty seconds or sixty fucking minutes. I am the fucking talent. So I tell this sixty second fucking story. I I'm I've got an I. I finish right around fifty four. I, I there's one beat left, the punchline of the entire story. I finish at fifty four, and I just I own it, and I I go and. My friend comes in, he takes the hanger. I, I slowed it down. I told it. I lived in it. I lived in the last six seconds, and I finished at 59:66, I believe. Yeah. And uh, I, I fucking nailed it, nailed it. Big laughs. And the judges were laughing, and Zucker's laughing. and I could see him out of the corner of my eye. This is my favorite part. he looks over at fucking blink patch, and he kind of like nods like, oh, "Oh oh, this guy knows what he's doing." because other people I'm not going to say any names when I saw the first story smash they they literally get up to the microphone they go oh a minute okay um my mom all right uh okay so my mom and I well, I was in school and uh and you're 11 minutes into a 60 second story or 11 seconds into a 60 second story you're fucking dead you're dead there's no chance on the night I did it the other night I won't lie someone did a story and ended at 31 seconds and went that's my story and uh and I there's again it's about the story. It's about content. It's about using the clock and it's about being fucking good. And so when I ended and fucking hit the beat and I, and I hit the punchline that got the laugh, I saw Zucker look at Kapach and just kind of like nod like fuck yeah. And then the ju- judges get to talk about you and say stuff and, uh, and they, they were very complimentary and nice. Now I will tell you this, the judges are complimentary and nice to everybody. They, they have fun being sarcastic but they tell everybody that their story was the best story and the greatest uh, because they're not there to hurt people. They're there to have fun. We're all there to have fun. So they talked to me Blaine made it Blaine said something really funny and I will tell you this this was the proudest uh compliment I think I received all night long was uh the the woman the actress had she's got no fucking idea who I am she go, but she works she tells stories for the moth she's toured with the moth she's been on NPR and she just goes um, I loved you uh because I loved i love your story I love stories and I love language and when you said and hijinks ensued. She goes, I knew I, I that I knew it was my favorite thing. And that was really great. So for someone to know, to recognize that, you know how to lose language, you can tell a story. I just, it was, I owned it. I was fucking thrilled. And then Zucker goes, uh, you know what? Uh, any homoerotic stuff that goes on between young high school boys, I'm definitely, uh, into it, uh, but between straight young high school boys, I'm into it. And there was a beat. And I said, you're presupposing a lot of things about me there. Danny, huge laugh. Uh, on an ad lib I'm fucking proud of it And then he goes Oh and they laugh And the judges are like Oh Because oh, there's nothing wrong With cementing in everybody's Fucking mind That you're funny All the fucking time And you're the man And so to ad lib With the judges I was funny I walk off And then I see The other storytellers I see Judith I see David And they're just like Shit that was funny dude Like David Crabb Was like man You're really funny That was great Judith was kind uh, Everybody was great I go sit over And I sit next to Ahmad And he just looks at me And he goes Fifty nine sixty six, and I go yeah I I and I got to the end too I lived in the fine end of the story and he goes that was perfect he goes, it was funny it was so funny it was great I'm like thanks dude I go uh, uh you know I go we'll see what happens in the second round he goes what are you talking about he goes you're the, you're the best person here it's ridiculous I said I play to win a mod <laughs> I I fucking play to win so I was just happy to remember the fucking story. So we go through the second round there and she's drawing names out of a hat so you never know when you're going to go up. There's no order. So I'm waiting, I'm frosty, I'm ready to go. And uh as I've said, vacation and pets are the my two weakest ones or I'm sorry, uh yeah, vacation and pets are my two weakest ones left. Unless I hit drunk tank again, in which case I've got another story, but it won't be it, it I'll make it funny, but it's not strong. My strongest stories are in like seven other categories. And uh Judith Shelton goes up before me and she proceeds, proceeds to tell a very animated story that involves bodily functions. I'm not going to give it away because I will tell you this. You'll have the opportunity to hear all this in about a month when Christine puts out this live show as a podcast. So you will be able to hear if I'm lying or not. What if I lied the whole time I wasn't even on the show. So Judith goes up, tells this long ass story about fucking bodily functions. She's supposed to have two minutes. They give her three because she runs the fucking broken glass. And they're like, please finish. Yay. And she rampages on and then the story ends. She's in Spain and she's on a table at a gynecologist's office and it's a small room and the guy opens the door and the door hits her in the vagina. And uh, she tells that story and, uh, you know, everybody goes crazy and yay. And she walks off and I look at Ahmad and I go, all right, now I want to hit vacations on the wheel because I know what I'm going to say. And he goes, all right, because at this point he's bored of me and he's playing on his phone. He could not care less. That's a lie. I'm teasing. Uh, so I wait. I'm because I'm next. I'm after Judith. I go up. I spin the wheel. I should tell you this. I was in full game show mic mode. So I literally I the first time I stood with my arms crossed and just stared out into the fucking audience at everybody like I was trying to intimidate them. I'm supposed to try to make them laugh as soon as the wheel stops spinning, but I'm posing like a fucking fighter. It's so dumb. So then this time I went up and I spun the wheel and I put I did this bouncer stance where I put one. I hold my right wrist in my left hand and my hands are down at my waist. And I'm just looking at the the stage and I saw people like kind of pointing at me and laughing and taking pictures because I just, I looked like I was concentrating. I looked like I was there because I was, you know what? I played a fucking win. Wheel spinning. I'm looking up and I'm waiting and I'm going, all right, what's, and I'm trying to think of a story and then it lands on vacation. Unbelievable. Inexplicable. Because I'll tell you this. Like I said, I was, I was teasing, half kidding when I said, now it's got to land on vacation because I know what I'm going to say. But I also, that story is my weakest, you know, one of my weakest stories. I don't want to tell that. I got a story about hiding in a shower. I got a story about working at a convenience store. I got a story about a pie eating contest. These are all ready to go, man. None of those happened on vacation even though Ahmad said, maybe you could say that you went on vacation in a pie eating. I'm like, wait, what, what? Because he was the king, man. He had the calipers out. He had the visor. He had the abacus. He was making it work. So vacation comes up and I'm just going to spoil this for you because you'll hear it later on. But I, 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 they look at me, they're all like, all right, vacation. You ready? And they're like, go. And I, I just, I fucking stand at the microphone and I stay, because again, this, the clock doesn't start till I talk. And I look out at the audience for I'm going to say three seconds. Might have been five, could have been two. But I just stare and I have a smirk on my face. Because I know. And I just, I look out and I just go. I was working as a gynecologist in Spain. And fucking, you know what? Carry me off on your fucking shoulders. Because I just won this fucking competition, motherfuckers. I, I, you know, and again, ad lib has nothing to do with my story ties in fucking uh, Judith and her and her crazy shit and a whole story. It's all there. Bring it right to you. And, and look, anytime you're on a show and you can give somebody a second bite at the apple of Judith Shelton's vagina, you take that fucking chance. So uh so I say I say I was a guy I was working as a gynecologist in Spain and I think I think again, I am I wrong? Big laugh. Very big laugh. I get a very big laugh. And the ju- even the judges, the judges are like and the one and Danny Zucker even goes Oh wow, good. That's good. Uh, and he just kind of nods at Kapach and they look at one another, and uh, and then I tell a story about going to a uh, uh, a house in Japan where ladies will involve themselves in all sorts of mouth exercises for you. Do you know this? Perhaps you've heard it on a previous episode. But it ends with uh, one line, and I should tell you this: I actually, because uh, because of my story, actually went two minutes and I think twenty seconds. So I can't beef Judith for finishing her story. But that 20 seconds was me doing the gynecological joke and waiting for the laugh to die down. God damn it, am I the man. So I consider this to be an actual two-minute story. And uh, as you know, it ends with the line, no Jean for mouth ladies. And uh, that did not get the pop that I thought it was going to get. It didn't get the laugh I thought it should get. Although Ahmad tells me... Ahmad thought I got a very good laugh. And then uh, and then I said, and then he uh, pointed at the clock and he I, they had closed five minutes before I walked in. So I had to end with that. The punch should have been no guy for mouth ladies, but I have to add the real the the button for it. So then I walk off and I walk past, you know, Judith Shelton. I guess I, when I because when I referenced her thing, she went crazy, right? She's in the back. She's cheering. She was so happy. David Crabb is just like looking at me like, yeah, fucking new sheriff in town. You're goddamn right, Crabb. Uh, and everybody was very complimentary and nice. And I went to the back and and I sat with Ahmad. And they go, OK, we're going to tabulate the scores and figure out who's in the finals. And uh, they go through the list. They do the thing. And Christine goes and, and she goes, all right, first is David Crabb. And David Crabb goes up to tell his story. And uh, and I'm like, all right, she didn't announce who's in the finals. And then I find out that what it is, is they, they you don't know until they announce your name. So the two people in the finals get announced and they they go up cold. They have no idea if they're in it. So they don't get a chance to prepare. You just go up and tell your three-minute story. And David goes up and he lays waste to the room. He just fucking, he's, he's waiting with a heartwarming anecdote that just sends everybody into a tizzy. And in my head, I'm like, well, fuck, man. Do I go heartwarming here in this final round? Or do I fucking, do I, because I mean, I am I know exactly what I'm going to do. It's like, I, I'm i now, I'm like, I'm either telling you're finished or I'm telling uh mom Lynn I am I just don't know how I'm going to get around to it I'm going to figure out a way to re- put it into vacation put it into fucking drunk tank any fucking way I'm going to tell the story it's going to get fucking shoehorned in but I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to tell you're finished I'm excited about that and uh and then Christine you know David kills they all come over they give him grapes they tell him he's the best and then he's carried to the back and then Christine goes all right and now our final challenger Judith Shelton Yay. Everybody goes crazy. And I'm sitting next to him out at the bar. And I go, uh, I lost. And he goes, uh, Dude, you were never going to win. I said, I, Yeah, but I mean, I was good, right? And he goes, Oh, yeah. He goes, You had the two best lines and the best story, the Jap- Japan story. I go, Right. For, for, I go, I know that you're my friend. You're predisposed to think that. He goes, no, he goes, I'm, I'm trying to be a comedy audience member. You, you, you had the best stories and, and, and the best lines. And I was like, okay, but I lost. And he goes, you were never going to win because the previous month's champion always gets to come back and defend their title. Well, the previous month, which was July, it had the first tie in the history of story smash. And the people who tied in July were David Crabb and Judith Shelton. And Ahmad said, look, dude, no matter what happened, they were going to have those two in the final to settle who should have basically won for July. They were, it was going to be, this is the tiebreaker there. That's, and I was like, well, I go, but I don't want to shortchange them. David was funny. Judith was funny. He's like, they're funny. Yeah. He goes, but then I thought about it. And then when I had to saw, when I saw story smash in, in June, I think it was, was that when you were here, Jeremy May, June, May, May I went to see the story smash and in the second round there were two competitors and the one of them was a woman who who slipped she goes yeah I was actually with my husband and she pointed at him and he's also in the competition and the judge was like whoa whoa wait a minute you're married to him and she's like oh yeah and in my head I'm like well now you've made the finals like they because for the show you have to put the husband and wife in the finals to go head-to-head it, it makes sense for the show and when you think about that and what Ahmad said, I'm like, well, of course, of course, they're going to have the two champ previous champions who've tied in a round, come here and get to the finals to settle it out. I mean, I mean, and I'm not shortchanging David or Judith. They were both fucking fantastic. They told great stories. They killed in the room. Everybody loved them. And they thought, because I, and I look, I will tell you this because afterwards I, I won't lie. I expect that people to come to me and go, man, you were fucking great, dude. You should have made it into the finals. And I just got a lot of, you were funny. Oh my God, Judith, you're the best. Like literally. David and Judith were clearly the fan favorites. They, they got mobbed by people and everybody loved them and they should be. They were fucking great. But uh, I fucking play to win, folks. So I'm at the bar and I look at him out and I go, dude, I play to fucking win. And he goes, yeah, but you weren't going to win. And I go, ah, and he just, I go, I'm, well, it's my first time here. I can't expect to win the first time. And he goes, no. And there's a beat and he goes, but this is going to bother you for like a month, right? And I go, fuck yeah, it's going to bother me for a month. And he goes, don't worry about it. You were fucking great. I go, I know I was fucking great, but dude, I want, I, I played a fucking win. And he goes, I know you do, but don't worry about it. And I was, I won't, I won't lie. I mean, for about, I mean, through the whole, I watched Judith and she told a great ending story about a fucking bouncy house and David killed it. And David wound up winning the title. And then Christine walked over to me when the show ended and she fucking grabbed my shoulders. She's like, you were absolutely amazing. I said, well, thank you. I would love to come back anytime. She goes, oh my God, you'll be back all the time. Oh my God, you were so glad. I'm so glad I asked you to do this. You were so great. Because Christina is just looking for great storytellers that she can plug in and out. So just to be in the rotation now makes me happy. And, and again, that's the whole reason I went. The whole reason I went to this thing was I, I wanted to win chocolate chip cookies. I'm not gonna lie to you. I played a win. But at the same time, it was to be in a room where I made people laugh. It was to go and not only do that, but to work at it to not just show up and fucking wing it, to not treat it like some second-class citizen, not to just go, oh, well, this is a burden, this is a chore, this is something I have to fucking do. No, this is to prove to myself and to prove to people I've never met and to prove to people who haven't seen me in fucking forever that I am fucking great at this and I am good at this and I know you guys are tired of me cheerleading myself and carrying myself off on my own fucking shoulders and jerking myself off and going, I'm good, I'm smart, I'm I'm actually pretty good at this. Shut the fuck up. I know you're tired of it doesn't happen often enough for me. Every time I go into a room where people are making people laugh in a live atmosphere, I want to leap on stage. I went to the comedy store months ago. That's a story I'll tell you about. I just happened to be hanging out with a friend and I wanted to go on stage every moment I was in the fucking room, smelling the bar, hearing people clap and cheer. I wanted to be on stage. When I went to Stall Story Spash in May, I wanted to be on stage every story told, I go, I got a better story than that. I don't mean to make it that. I don't mean to make it down to that. It shouldn't be that kind of a competition. It's a fun, fun game and we're all having a good time, but I played a fucking win and I, I want to go up and prove to myself and everybody I'm good at this. I'm the fucking man. It's like when I did Corolla's podcast and I walked out of the room and they looked at me and they go, where the fuck have you been? Cause they couldn't believe how funny her was. And I just thought to myself, well, all right, here we go. I'm now another guest that they're going to bring in every fucking week or every two weeks, like Larry Miller. And I'm going to fucking crush it. I haven't been on since. Now, look, have I tried to get on it? No, I haven't. But I I need these signposts. I need these reminders that this is what I fucking do. This is who I am. This is what I'm supposed to be fucking doing. And brooding in the dark, Mike's got to take a fucking hike. Ahmad and I are at the bar. Show ends. Like I said, Christine comes up and is, is incredibly complimentary to me. And I tell Ahmad, I go, look, I don't mean to leave you at the bar, but I, I've got to go mingle. Like I, I got a network. I mean, I, I have to go talk to the judges and the comedians and stuff. And that's also because I won't lie. I expected people to go, man, you were great. You were fucking awesome or whatever. And, you know, Blaine, of course, is my friend. So he's like, dude, so funny. And I got to talk to him for a bit. Danny Zucker came up to me and, and, uh, and he's like, oh, you were very funny. And he walks away. You know, what I, mean? so I so I did not get the sitcom spin off of Modern Family that I thought I was going to get. thought I could be the third gay dad. Who the fuck knows? I could be the pudgy, fat Hispanic kid. Go ahead, put me in there. I could be Sofia Vergara's pool boy slash mailman slash chef. Uh, and then like Judith Shelton was incredibly kind, all of their friends. I walk up to David Crabb and he's holding court because he's got like eight friends there. And I wanted to meet uh, the other, the, the audience member was his husband. And I went to him, Jack, and I was like, dude, you were really great. Nice job. And, I, and he was super friendly. And David Crabb was like, man, you were really good. I go, well, I mean, they told me you were the guy to beat. And he's just like, nah, man, you were fucking great. And he goes, you want a cookie? Because he's eating the championship cookies. And I'm like, are you sure these are championship cookies, sir? I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's, those cookies are for closers. And he's just like, no, it's okay. So I, I said, all right, I'll take one. And he goes, take two. And I go, I don't know if I earned two. And he's like, go ahead, take two. So I took two. And then I walked over back to Ahmad, and there were people who came to see me. Kilt Bill actually approached me before I went to Mingle. And Kilt Bill, our buddy Kilt Bill is talking to fucking Ahmad and uh and then i went over there our, our friends ben and his husband peter were there I, and they were fucking great i haven't talked to ben in months and he had texted me out of the blue a week ago and i was like i'm at story smash he's like we got tickets we're going he wore a fucking dirt dirt shirt which was fucking cool as hell and it made me go you know what there's people out there there's people who will come and see me there's people who want to see me succeed there's people who've bought my merch there's people who've supported me fucking kilt bill came in from goddamn San whatever the fuck he lives north of me santa barbara San Burdue. Uh, San Salvador. I don't know where the fuck he came in from, but it was a long fucking way just to see me do three minutes on stage. There's huge support out there. There's people out there who want this for me and I'm, I'm doing them all an injustice. I'm cheating them. The, the, the heads of, of Emerald Alawadi Corp have done yeoman's work. They've gone above and fucking beyond to help me toward my goals. And it's an insult to them. If I don't accomplish them, if I don't try the way I should. And, and I know I say this all the time and I know it was the mantra at at episode one of this year. I'm going to get out more. I'm going to do shows. I'm going to do stuff. And, and, and we wound up here, but this is a good here because we closed the year on a live performance. We closed the year on me being reminded what I do. We closed the year on me remembering who I am and what the fuck I can do. And we think about year 12 and I have, I have plans, I have sat down, I've sketched it out, I've got ideas. I don't want to go ahead and just tell you them because fucking words are cheap. Two and a half hours of words, 60 seconds of words, they come cheap to me. I always have them and I want them to mean something. So I have to do stuff before I tell you about it. But let me say thank you to all of you for being here again through another year of podcasting. 11 from me solo, 12 total. There's people who've been here from the beginning. There are people who started listening to me when they were fucking 13 years old. Now they're 26. I've been to weddings. I've been. I've. I've had people in my home. There are people in my home now who only know me as a voice on the internet and then they become friends who I love. I went to Canada and people took care of me up there. I, I know this, this will sound odd, but I know now if everything went to hell, if everything went fucking tits up and who knows what the fuck and I step on my dick and everything fucking fell apart, There are open arms waiting for me and places I could go. And it's because of my voice and this show. And I rededicate myself to doing the best I possibly can to prove to you, you haven't backed the wrong horse in this race to prove to you that all of your support, all of the thoughts you've ever had about me being good at this, or I should do this, or I should do that. You're right. You've always been right. I should, but this year ends. I should. And again, words are cheap, but I'm going to fucking say this. This year ends I on, on an I should. And next year begins I will. You guys can get me at Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. You guys can be my friends at Facebook.com slash the 40-year-old boy. You can be my friend at well no you can follow me. Follow me at twitter.com slash the forty year old boy. You can find me at Instagram and Snapchat. I'm lurking, I'm looking, I'm hanging, I'm hovering at all of those places. Instagram and Snapchat at Mike40YOB, find me there. Add me, please. Send me naked photos of yourself. Wait a second, was that out loud? Uh hold on, plane. Can you hear it? That that actually maybe the authorities about the naked photo thing. I don't, <laughs> that was quick. Actually, you know what? Bex might have sent them. Holy shit, on the Jumbler, did you send fucking, you sent a head squad? Uh, All right, everybody. So you can find me on Instagram and Snapchat at Mike40YOB. I'm at twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. Go ahead and follow me there as well. Become my friend or add me on your PS4 network at Mike40YOB. I'll talk about Twitch on the other side as well. Uh, Our friend Ryan Dirks does the web stuff for this show. I got to get him active and involved as well. Uh, You can find him at facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks. Reach out to him and tell him what's what. Tell him he's the coolest and the best and tell him we enjoy all the help and stuff and support he gave this show and our great friend, David Mex Hernandez, who you heard live and in uh, in color on last week's show. And uh, he does all the artwork. He does all the music for this amazing show. And, uh, and he's our best friend. He's one of the coolest guys in the world. You can be his friend at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez. Uh, You can also find him all over the fucking web. First of all, be his friend at Facebook. That's where it all starts. That's his ground zero, man. Go ahead and be his friend at facebook.com slash David mex Hernandez. And then go through all of his artwork. Scroll through. Look at all the artwork he's created for this show. Look at all the artwork he's just posted on his page. He's made some memes, some interesting, cool ass stuff. And also he has his own closed Facebook group called This is Dumb, That's Dumb, You're Dumb, I'm Dumb. You got to join that group and see all the artwork he's created for that enterprise. That's his fiefdom, man. That's his kingdom. If you want to join, you're going to have to answer three fancy questions he's going to send to you. Be ready because they're going to be challenging. And by challenging, I mean easy, but you'll have to answer them. Do not try to shirk them because you won't get into the group and you want to be in this group, folks. This is dumb. That's dumb. I'm dumb. You're dumb. But by joining that group and checking that out and becoming his friend at Facebook and checking his page out and checking out all of his artwork, you'll be able to see the artwork that he's done in the past and done for this show. You can actually join the Westside 86 Jokers fan club page as well and look at all the artwork he's done for that page. And it gives you an idea of the kind of work he's done and what you can do to sign him up to do artwork for you and hire him to make a painting of yourself or your dog or your hedgehog or your gerbil or your X-wing fighter on the back of your jersey that Jeremy thought Jock Peterson was wearing when it was really a crown. He will paint anything and everything, whatever you can describe to him. He works in oils, he works in watercolors, he does unbelievable work, whether you want a a caricature or you want a straight portrait of somebody. Anybody you can think of, anything you can come up with, he can make it beautiful, he can improve on it and make it brilliant. And uh, like I said, he does all of the artwork that you can find on Facebook. But also, if you go to his website, you'll see that he had a corporate background as well. 20 years in the art minds just chipping out fucking paint and whatever the fuck out of those walls and making magic. He was the guy to get it done. And you want to go to his website to see his corporate examples? Well, of course you do. Like I said, be his friend at facebook.com slash Hernandez. and also join his, his Facebook group. This is dumb, that's dumb, you're dumb, I dumb. But more importantly, in my opinion, go to his website because then you'll get a full cavalcade of everything the man can do. ArtbyDMH.com. That's artbydm com. You're listening to The 40-Year-Old Boy, and later, The Velvet Rope. Big James and Chewy have a clipboard, and your name is on it. Payday is Friday, Friday is payday. I got nice. checks for everybody here. Got and my, uh, got uh, my check. Well, you know what? I looked, and I got security checks. I don't see no, your check. No, no, any. no. That's me. That's me right there. What? No, that's me. <laughs> Who the fuck is Ted? <laughs> Ted's me. That's me. That's my real name. Your real name is Ted? Yeah, it's real. It, yeah. Oh no, no, no problem. That's fine, Ted. Dude, seriously, that's just call me Chewy, all oh, right? I mean, no, I, that's fine. You're right, Teddy. <laughs> Dude, I'm not I'm serious, man. I'm serious. Stop. Come all on, right. all right. Look, we've been friends a long time, yes, right? I finally right. know I know your name. You know me. Let's go to lunch. Let's go to the bank and uh lunch is on you today, Theodore. <laughs> Arms up, feet apart. You're getting frisked by the Velvet Rope on the Mike Schmidt Podcasting Network. Fucking Ted! <laughs> In my rush to finish telling you about story smash, I uh, I forgot this uh, small part of the story. <laughs> uh, like I said, Christine came up to me and was very nice, and she's like, "Oh my god, you were fabulous! You were so fantastic!" And she handed me a, a, a like a small baggie, like a plastic bag, and it had a couple of uh, like fifth prize cookies, whatever the fuck you want to call them. So, even though David had shared his cookies with me, uh, I was I got two cookies of my own. Just look. It's a participation trophy. Everybody gets two chocolate chip cookies. I gave one to Ahmad. I kept one for myself. Uh, but also in the baggie was a uh, placard that was from Story Smash. And it says, you know, it's a, a advertising flyer, basically. And on the back, uh, autographed by Christine Blackburn. So apparently... All of my friends feel it's very important for me to get their goddamn autograph. Uh, But good for Christine, and I'm glad she included me. Again, as I said, it was lovely and a fantastic time, and I can't wait to go back. And I look forward to being a fucking defending champion at that goddamn thing at some point. Um, But feel free, folks. I guess it's a trend. So if you want to give me your autograph on something, go ahead and sign something up and send it my way. I'd appreciate it, because God knows I'm collecting them. I'm going to make a big-ass frame full of that stuff. Uh, Do we have sponsors? We do. Our great friend, Fearful Jesuit. Now he's going to kill me because uh, you know. Uh, sadly, it's been a whirlwind for me, folks. I've been training for shows. I've been all over the place. I got people in town. I got a mod. I got. Uh, I got Jeremy. I got Emerald Alawadi LLC board meetings. I got all this stuff happening, and I have not been able, to my detriment, I have not been able to dive into this month's. Paranoid Strain podcast, which is available right now in the iTunes store. The Paranoid Strain, a phenomenal show from our great friend, Fearful Jesuit. Uh, look, I'm familiar with all the older shows. I'll tell you what, anything you want to know about Posse Comitatus. I'm, I'm that guy. OK, but if you want to talk about the Kennedy assassination or just assassination in general, I'm your friend. I'm the dude. But if you want to talk about the moon landing, which is this month's topic, I will tell you I am woefully behind. But that is going to change this week because I'm on planes coming up. I got time where I'm actually going to be able to settle in and listen to a fucking show. It's going to be exciting. And I'm I'm to me it's great because I know I know it's there because I will tell you the good news is the bad news is that I haven't listened. The good news is it lies there for me in wait in my future. Not unlike a palm frond covered hole in the jungle filled with pugil sticks. I can't wait to fall down and stab myself with the mouth of fearful Jesuit in the Paranoid Strain podcast available now in the iTunes store. Why wouldn't you broadcast uh, yourself like in that? Go ahead and make a, a video on Snapchat or an Instagram promoting the show. Leave a review in the iTunes store, if you would, saying you love the show. And also, please remember to mention us, where you found the show from. Tell Fearful Jesuit. Tell everybody else. Tell the world. So they think we're hitters, we're tastemakers, we're influencers. And, uh, and you're going to download the show. You're going to love it. Subscribe. So you get all the back episodes. You can hear all that stuff. You hear the new episode about the moon landing. And uh, you're, I, again, I cannot stress enough. It's a fantastic show. Fearful Jesuit does amazing work. Danny Unicorn at his side, rampaging through getting it done. Want to write him a note? Paranoidstrain at gmail.com or it's theparanoidstrain at gmail.com. No, I think it's just the. No, it might be the. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Strain at gmail.com or is it paranoidstrain at gmail.com? You know what? CC both. CC Rider. CC both. What have you done? Done, done, done. Go ahead and do that. I'm an idiot. Um, let him know that you listen to the show. You love it. That that we let you uh, listen to it. We turned you on to it. We told you to download it. And uh, and learn all the things you need to know about John Glenn and Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and some other fucking guy. Wasn't there another guy? Was there four guys on the moon? I don't know who the fourth guy was. You know what? I got to be honest with you. It was Sammy Davis Jr. He went to the moon. They didn't talk about it, but they needed him to write the theme song. And he went for the ride anyway, because he's like, you know what? He's a method guy. He thought to himself, well, I could write a theme song about the moon for these crazy cats. But what I need to do is ride up clandestinal like, but it was the late 60s. So they can't tell anybody they sent a black guy to the moon because everybody would be like, well, that's a good start. And we'd be like, hey, you racist dicks. So we go ahead and throttle down from that. We don't do that. We can't tell them that Sammy Davis Jr. is on the actual space capsule. Um, But he was there. He was, he was you know, because of any, you know what? If anyone can write a song about the moon, the Sammy man can, the Sammy man can cause he went up in the tin can with the buzz, Aldrin. Oh my God. This is the lowest point of this show's history. The moon landing is being talked about on the paranoid strain podcast available now in the iTunes store. Go ahead and download it now and subscribe and tell them why you did leave a review saying that we told you to, in spite of the fact that we just went ahead and did that Sammy Davis Jr. thing. Who wants a cameo from me? Is it you? Is it you? Of course it is. You're thinking to yourself, well, I wish Mike would call me personally and have a chat with me and then we can talk about a bunch of things, all a myriad things. Go ahead and uh, talk about your kids. Talk about the kinds of foods you like. Talk about who you got a crush on. Talk about who you definitely don't have a crush on. Let's talk about how great your boss is. Let's talk about how cool it is in your office. Let's go ahead and talk about all the autographs you've collected. How you want to make an autograph for me and send it my way. That's available at Cameo right now. Actually, you know, I got to be honest. It's not a... I'm not calling you now that I think about it. that's a dumb way to promote cameo. It's just a fucking note. I'm making you a, a video note and we had call me Schmitty at gmail.com, which I just received actually two new requests this week, which is kind of funky, but, uh, and I'll call you people. I promise I will at some point, but the, uh, the, the cameo, that's just a one way street, man. That's me talking to you about your fucking shit bag parakeet or whatever the fuck you want me to make fun of. I'm happy to do it. Go ahead. And, uh, and by the way, Shitbag Parakeet is my favorite, blah 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 in my blah blah blah. So by all means go ahead and check it out. Um find me on Cameo, book me. It's it's book cameo. You can download the app on your phone. Also, I think it's bookcameo.com. And uh, I, let's talk about this a You want to hear let's do a follow up on a story I just did a couple of minutes ago. It's not a story I did. Who the fuck am I? Geraldo fucking dumb Rerva, Rivera. There was a uh I had a problem with cameo because they hired the bagel boss. Do you guys remember me saying this? Uh, do you remember it by any chance, Jeremy? I know Ahmad never listens to the show, but uh, there was a guy named the Bagel Boss, and he was he got into a fight in a bagel shop, and then Cameo hired him, and he made almost $2,000 his first week. He's just a little fucking shitbag guy, and uh, it turns out yesterday, he got put on a psych hold in New York because he lost his fucking mind on the street, and I'm like, good for you, Cameo. Good to be at the forefront of booking this psychopath before he fucking hurts somebody. Uh, So there you go. So if you want to book somebody who has never been put on a psych hold, that's me. And you can find me at book cameo. It's the app you put on your phone and you hire me to do cool ass stuff. And I'm happy to do it. So please hire me to do a cameo. Who wants to drive for Uber and Lyft? Is it you? Is it you? If you want to do this for Lyft here. All right. Let me talk about this. I'm going to complain about this right now. I apologize. But why not? First of all, if you want to use my code for Lyft. Uh, My code for Lyft is Mike720057. That's all capital letters. M-I-K-E-720057. Mike720057. Use that code if you want to become a driver for Lyft. And then depending on what part of the world you're in, if you complete a certain amount of rides in a certain amount of days, I get a certain amount of money. Now, I used to tell you guys to use my code as a first-time rider on Lyft. I would say, hey, man, I get a spiff. I think I get like five bucks for that. Well, you know what? Not a lot of riders used my code. But just recently, a rider used my code, the lovely Andrea. Thank you so much, Andrea, for using my code. And I was told by Lyft, oh, dude, that's awesome. You're going to get a total uh, bonus, a total spiff. So I got an email from Lyft and it said, ho, ho, someone used your code, sir. And it said, you've received $10 in Lyft credit. Hey, uh, you fucking jagoffs, I'm a Lyft driver. Why the fuck would I want Lyft credit anywhere? But in my brain, I'm like, all right, you know what? So they changed it. I do not get cash anymore if you're a rider who uses my code, for Lyft anyway. Uber, no, nobody uses my code, so I don't know yet. I'm sure I'll solve that problem fucking later. But get this. So then Lyft gives me $10 in Lyft credit. All right, fine. So when I went to the airport to fly to Canada, uh, the woman was late. I think I talked about it on the show that I could see she was in the Taco Bell drive-thru. I knew exactly where she was. She was in the Taco Bell drive-thru. And uh, she was late. So Lyft gave me a credit of five bucks. I didn't complain. They just did it. They said, hey, we see you were late. Here's a credit of five bucks. So I said, okay, that's fine. That's nice. I got that hip pocketed. But then they gave me the 10 on top of it. So I'm like, 15 bucks actually covers my trip home from the Burbank airport. But I'm also not dumb. I know they're not going to let me use both credits at once because they're dicks. So I went, all right, at least I got the $10 credit pocketed. That's fine. And then I'll still have another $5 one when I go to an airport again in the future. So I get the ride home from the airport with a very nice man named Lamont, who's terrific. He drops me off. Uh, I throw him five bucks as a tip because I'm a friendly guy. And so my ride is, uh, is like 15 bucks total. And so I'm waiting for the $10 to come off. And uh, I get the receipt. And they took $2 off of my tab. So the ride was uh, it was twelve fifty seven, but then they made it ten fifty seven, and then my five made it fifteen fifty seven. So I wrote a nice letter to Lyft, and I said, "Hey, here's my question. Uh, I have a ten dollar credit with you guys. I'd like to apply it, and for some reason you did not. You applied a two dollar credit. I'd, I would like to apply ten dollars." And I got a letter from somebody with a Q in their name, and possibly a hyphen, and maybe the sign for infinity. They wrote me from some faraway land. And they wrote, oh, we love the fact that you're a lift driver and a lift rider. You're such a lovely person and you're great. We see that you have a $10 credit, but what uh, you need to know, that is five separate usages of $2 credit. <laughs> they can't possibly give me $10 at once, gentlemen. They want to make sure I take five lift rides and save $2 on each. Even though I'm a driver for Lyft and I was told I would be getting money Initially, if people used my code and now it's fucking useless lift credit, it's fucking script. And now I have to use this script on five different fucking occasions. And then I wrote her back and I go, this is preposterous because I wanted to see her handle that fucking word. (laughs) And I said, I don't understand this. Here's the thing this makes no sense. I'm a driver for Lyft. I know this isn't your issue. It's the company's issue, but I'll tell you what, if I I have a sense, you're not going to give me a $10 credit. So I want a $5 credit for the driver that was late before. And if you can combine that with the $2 credit, that would be great. And she wrote me to tell me, uh, Oh, I see. We'll be happy to take a $5 credit. Unfortunately, we will have to reinstate the $2 back to your account. So you have five separate $2 credits and we'll take the $5 credit off. But you have five $2 credits for going forward on any lift rides you may take. And, uh, and that's where I left it, along with my hopes and prayers that the company blows up and dies in a fire. So that's the code Mike720057. If you want to fuck me harder, do it as a passenger. Uber. At this point, stop giving up the code. Well, I, I, right. I, would, I When somebody becomes a driver, I do actually get hundreds of dollars if they complete the thing. So that's if you're a driver, use it. As a passenger, it gives me fucking nothing but Lyft credit. And I don't want Lyft credit. Fuck that. Like I said, it's script. It might as well be Confederate money. Whatever the fuck. Get out of here. So fuck that, man. So I guess don't use it if you're a rider, but use it if you want to be a driver. Now, Uber is still in play because nobody's used my code, so I have no fucking idea it, what they're as far as i know i get five bucks for every referral so the code for uber is d j z w one yttue that's d j z w one yttue and that's all lowercase use that if you want to become a driver and like i said if you do a certain amount of rides in a certain city i get a certain amount of dollars it changes everywhere you are or if you're a rider use it and let's just call that a crapshoot. who the fuck knows what's going to happen i I might get Uber credit. I might get five bucks. I might get just a picture of a middle finger. I don't fucking know. I got no idea. But regardless, go ahead and use the code DJZW1YTTUE. And uh, and I will consider you my best friend uh, unless they fuck me with credit. And then I'll just say, don't use it again. But that's fine. Thank you for thinking of me uh, again. As I've mentioned, I'm on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. I'll be streaming uh, uh, tomorrow. Well, you're not hearing this until Thursday, so I'm not streaming tomorrow. Uh, I'm streaming this week, Tuesday, before I go out of town. But then I'm on a plane Wednesday to Chicago, and I'm gone for five days. Uh, The new streaming schedule will start next week. I will be back in town, I believe, Tuesday night. And so I think let's just call it Wednesday. We'll start streaming again. That's my guess. Next Wednesday, uh, we will be streaming, and you can hear me there doing. Watch me play World of Warcraft, whatever. We'll try to figure it out. But I will have. I'm going to start updating a streaming schedule. It's going to be on the website. All of these things are coming, I promise. But Twitch.tv/slash the forty year old boy. Here's an easy shortcut: if you follow or subscribe to the channel, you'll always know when I'm on, because when I'm on, they alert all the followers and subscribers that had to run to their televisions or run to their telephones. Or run to their computers. But here's the thing. Don't run to your television. Nothing will happen if you do that. But if you run to your computer or your phone, you will find me there on Twitch streaming whatever funky game I'm playing. Perhaps it's a dragon card game. Perhaps it's a dragon uh, drinking in a bar game. Oh, what did we find out my name is? Oh, I oh, get this. Here's the thing. Earlier on World of Warcraft, you may have, men- I may have mentioned I wanted to be Magic Hands Wilson. Remember that guy? That was going to be fantastic. I wanted you to join me and hire me and put me on your guild. We're playing on an RP server as well, right? I'm planning on playing on an RP server. If you want to find me on World of Warcraft, um, I haven't set it up yet. But I, but I, the good news is when I took I took our stand a breakdown here between the fucking uh, uh, plugs and the actual show, and I had to. We tried to fight if Magic Hands. Wilson, well, good. Thank God, Ahmad was here. He's like Magic Hands Wilson might not fit. I'm like, do fucking do that to me? Come on, I got to be Magic Hands Wilson. So we tried to any incarnation we made Magic Hands. We tried to shorten MJC or MJ's MG, MGC. H N D S. It just, it just wasn't going to work. Cause it just looked stupid. I want to be magic hands Wilson, but that's too many letters. So, uh, then we, then what <laughs> was it? was there two letters for magic hands. He's like, you can just be magic hands. I go, well, how many letters are left over? He says two. I'm like, fuck. All right. So how about magic hands, Ed? And then G- and Jeremy goes magic hands, Al. And I'm like, Oh, I like magic hands, Al. That's pretty good. And then we went with tie and sigh. And, and I was like, you know what? It just doesn't work. And then I go, what about, (laughs) I can't even say it. So stupid. I said, what about Abracadonald? (laughs) Abracadonald. And fucking, and Ahmad goes in, he goes, it fits. And I'm like, oh, dude. I go, but the problem is, I don't want to be Donald, because as we know, that name is fucking ruined in this world. So I'm like, all right, what about Abracaderal or Abracadarius? And then I go, oh, dude, Abracadennis. And it made us laugh. It made all, and so that's the rule. If it made all three of us laugh, we went with Abracadennis, and he goes, it fits. So, in World of Warcraft, on my RP server, I am Dennis. So find me and add me or kill me or whatever the fuck you plan on doing. But I, I will be there lurking, eating uh, giant chicken legs and drinking mead and and saying a, a whole lot of uh, hark. And, and I'll be there being Dennis which I can't wait to be. So please find me. I'm World of Warcraft, and if you want to watch The Adventures of Abracadennis, you can find me at twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy and have me on there and watch me stream. And look, there's going to be different streams all the time. I will be doing one retro stream a week. The Raspberry Pi is working now, I think. We've got to do homework tomorrow, but there's all this stuff I'm learning, and Ahmad has come to town, and he's plugged every wire into every hole, and I think I'm ready. I mean, I still need to get artwork and sounds and whatever the fuck bells and whistles are coming, but the, the nuts and bolts, the meat of the matter is ready to fucking go. So I'm excited to do like retro streams and shit like that on Twitch and, and taking this to the next level. So, uh, follow me and subscribe to me at twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy. Find me on their place. Um, so yeah, so I, I, it's funny. Jeremy made me laugh with magic hands, Al, which I really enjoyed. And I have to tell you this, uh, a mod- <laughs> Ahmad made me laugh hard in the fucking car because, all right, I was on Rock Solid, the Rock Solid podcast with our friend Pat. And he's like, hey, dude, there's this Eddie Money reality show. You got to fucking jump in with me and we got to make fun of it. And I'm like, all right, cool. So we did a couple of shows where we made fun of it and it went out to his Patreon subscribers and people fucking loved it and they laughed. And then we find out that Eddie Murphy or Eddie Murphy, Eddie Money has a... Uh, he gets like a fucking heart murmur or something. And it turned out he had a minor heart procedure. So they had to stop down on the reality show. And he went into the hospital. And, and, and fucking Pat is like, dude, I mean, we probably got to stop doing this. Like, well, fuck, yeah, we do. We can't go make fun of a guy who's got fucking a heart murmur just in case. But we're waiting for the show to start again because then we can go to the Patreon. We can go watch the shows, make fun of the reality show because people were, really were digging it. I wake up this week, Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. And it's just a text from Pat. I, and I can only see, you know, when you pick up your phone in the morning, there's just all the bubbles of people who've sent you things or notifications from your email. But there's no, if pictures are attached, you got to open the phone. And the thing from Pat, it just said, what have we done? With a question mark. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ. So I open it up and it's a letter. It's a, it's a fucking link to a story on TMZ that Eddie Money has stage four esophageal cancer which is I'm to understand, look, I'm not a doctor. I'm understand. It's not good. That's what I've been told. I am I'm to understand that is not a good thing. Uh, stage four esophageal cancer. In addition to look, it's not good for his singing career. It's not good for the reality show. And in the larger picture, probably not good for him as a guy, you know, in life. So I just wrote him back and I go, Oh my God, we're monsters. And uh, he's like, I know this is fucking awful. So I, I, it was early in the morning. I said, I woke up and saw that text. I hop in the car I go to pick up Ahmad at the fucking porta potty. He hops in the car and I tell him exactly what I just told you. I said, I did Roxana. We did this thing. And I go, I get the text. He had a heart problem, but now I get the text. It's a four, stage four esophageal cancer. And there's a beat and Ahmad goes, well, that's a good thing. He's got those tickets. Dude. I fucking blurt laughed in the car because do you know do you know the phrase just the phrasing on that because you could if because you could go well at least he's got two tickets to paradise not funny not funny at all it's stupid it's it's got on the nose it's fucking it's got a bell on it but just just to look concerned and just go that's a good thing he's got those tickets holy shit I would have been proud of say that fucking home run uh, get well soon Eddie all right <laughs> I mean. I mean, I don't know how else to end that, but Jesus, did it make me laugh? It's a good thing he's got those tickets. Just like look, and he's looking at the floor. He's ah, oh. <laughs> gorgeous. gorgeous. Uh, all right, so what have I told you about Twitch? There's a YouTube channel that exists. Go to our YouTube channel. Uh, and now with this OBS and all this other stuff all tricked out, hey, there might be some OBS stuff coming your way via YouTube. There might be more YouTube content, possibly me discussing the retirement of, of football players, or or me talking about pro wrestling, or me talking about movies, or anything to avoid working. Jesus fuck. But please, if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, you will find them. They will come to you. They'll be delivered. You'll be alerted. And that's space, uh, youtube.com slash the 40 year old boy, Uh, or just go to YouTube and put in the 40 year old boy. You'll find my channel and please subscribe because again, it lets YouTube know that I'm a hitter and uh, I have to start generating some content on there because I think I told you that I went in and they have demonetized like all of my videos. I don't know if it's because of the language in the podcasts or I know some of it is because the music that is used in the podcast, and they were like, "But I mean, a claim would be put in by like the Beatles, which made me laugh." I got—I think I talked about this on the show before. I got a fucking a claim has been put in by Apple records on on behalf of the Beatles for the song you used in your thing. And I was like, that's worth the whole thing. I'm just just to get a letter that says that I'm more than happy to fucking get them to shut it down. Um, but I think it's more about the political talk or whatever. I don't know. Maybe somebody's actually listening to my shows and then fucking deciding I'm not to be monetized. Regardless. I need to start doing some YouTube videos that, you know, might go toward making uh, a contribution to me and my career. So please follow me at youtube.com slash the 40 year old boy, because videos are a coming. Oh, oh, are they a coming? You can be a Patreon patron. If you'd like, go ahead and sign up at patreon.com Mike four zero Y O B, or just go to patreon.com and look for the 40 year old boy. And you'll see my smiling dimpled mug right there along with little Schmitty and everybody, uh, all the other pals who are on this show, go ahead and subscribe to that. Again, more videos coming Uh, again. As I've mentioned, we are, we are leaving. I should, and moving into, I will. That's all happening in year 12. We're moving forward. 2020. I have plans. Look at me. I have actually, I have actual plans. Like I'm sitting down making a schedule. That's right. Me. Uh, And so hopefully you guys will be there to surf it with me and, and be around when I say those things. And if you want to become a Patreon patron and support this show, Go ahead to patreon.com slash the 40 year old boy and look for me, find the page, subscribe and, uh, and I'll be very happy because you're keeping this show afloat. You're keeping all the things I do afloat, uh, live stuff, which is coming, uh, the, the Twitch channel, anything that every dollar you give keeps me out of the car for one minute. And that makes me happy. So thank you for thinking of me. Go ahead and do what you can to Uh, keep this show moving forward and, uh, keeping the podcast afloat, keeping Twitch afloat, keeping YouTube going, uh, all of the, all of the fucking gigs that we've got that we're juggling the the side hustles everything comes under the umbrella of mike schmidt incorporated a subsidiary of emerald (laughs) Alawadi llc um go to mike schmidt comedy.com go to the media page nope go to the merchandise page and then uh click on which is the joe business page as you know and if you click on there's an amazon link in there look you're shopping at amazon anyway I know Jeff Bezos went to Burning Man or whatever the fuck, and we all hate him, but that's fine. He's a good guy. He's lovely. He's the richest man in the world. And if we want to make one, look, if we want to keep him the richest man in the world, we need to use this link. (laughs) Jesus, and don't we want to? Go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com. And like I said, go to the merchandise page. There's an Amazon link. You're going to be shopping there anyway. Click through. It costs you nothing, man. And it brings me a couple of bucks. I get a spiff off everything that you buy. We get money. They get money. You get stuff. It's a perfect symbiotic relationship between me, you, and the richest man in the world. Look, think about that. When you were in high school, did you ever think to yourself, you know what? Someday I'm going to be in a threesome with a famous broadcaster and the richest man in the world. That never dawned on you, did it? And look at the fucking possibility it opens up in front of you like a goddamn red carpet. It opens up in front of you like like uh, like one of the guy's butts in in uh, in Dave Roselle's future in Dares and Detentions. It's right there. That foyer is open for you to walk through, ladies and gentlemen. So please go ahead and the uh, use the Amazon link. You're shopping anyway. Costs you nothing extra. Just five seconds to find the link at the Amazon or at the at the Mike Schmidt merchandise page. And you will see right there, it's the Amazon link. Click on it. We get money, they get money, you get stuff. And then you can tell everybody you had a threesome with a famous podcaster and Jeff Bezos. Look at that. Aren't you sore? You're so sore. Uh thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for getting on board. Thank you for being uh listening. I mean, again, I as you know, as I as I said when I started this show, um, 11 years ago, I said, you know, the, the joke was, hey, you're the 40-year-old boy. What's going to happen when you turn 50? And I said, if I'm doing this show when I'm 50, you just fucking put a bullet in my head. And here we are, 52 years of age, ending year 11, about to start year 12 in two weeks. And I, I have to tell you, uh, it's thanks to you. Thanks to everybody who listens. Thanks to these two guys who are here in my house right now, Ahmad and, and Jeremy. Uh, their generosity, their graciousness, their friendship, and, and all of it, it, um, it it's... It humbles me to know that these guys care enough to become not only become my friends, but also to uh, support what I consider my life's work, uh, which is the work of my life. So uh, I'm glad that they're here. I'm glad that they help. I'm glad that you help. You help all the time through Patreon. You help through donations and things like that. Still some people through PayPal. Thank you so much for thinking of me. And, uh, you know, I I can't say I never thought I'd get to year 12. I mean, I never fucking even thought in those increments. I never thought I'd get to age 50. I never thought I didn't know if I'd do it. After episode seven, I didn't know if I'd do more. I didn't know when Lily left. I didn't know how this show was going to take shape. I didn't know what it was going to be or what it was going to wind up ending up being, you know, in the future, the past. I don't know. I had no clue. And you guys have constantly supported and, uh, and we keep adding on, we've added on Twitch. We've added on all of these different bells and whistles and, and Patreon. And, uh, and I think, I think year 12 is, is, um, you know, and again, I've said it before, words are cheap, but I, I, I think I'm in a good enough headspace to tell you that year 12 is going to be the best year of all of them because I have a real plan. I have a real plan of things to do starting in 2020. Um, it gives me a few months here at the end to kind of plot it out and make the actual arrangements. And then I I think 2020 is going to be great. So I'm glad you guys are on board. I'm glad you followed along. And I will tell you this next week, not here as always, uh, I, I at the end of week 52, I tell you that you're not going to believe what you're going to hear next week. And I'm here to tell you again, specifically uh, demonstrably next week is uh, is just fantastic. I'm proud of the work I did in it. Uh, I know David's proud of the work he did in it. Uh, the interlude is next week and it is going to be I don't want it. I'm not telling you anything. I'm not giving you any sneak previews. I'm not showing any artwork. I'm not telling you anything about what anything. All I, all you know is that uh, David did really hard work I showed up at his place and I had brought, I did really hard work and brought it there. And then we sat together and we made, uh, for me something fantastic. So hopefully you'll enjoy it next week. And, and then you'll stick around for year 12 and then you'll stick around for year 13 and then year 14 and then year 15. And what if I'm doing this when I'm 60? Jesus fuck. Can you imagine that? Holy fuck. If I'm doing this goddamn show when I'm 60 years old and I, I, I look there. All right. I gotta be honest. We know we can see the, the, what the world is doing. We know it's spiraling down the goddamn drain. I can only hope that the, uh, the protection of, of Emerald Alawadi LLC keeps me in business to the age of 60. I mean, that's eight years. It's a volatile place, the world, but I think these two guys, this is a meeting of the minds. This is two fellas who, uh, who care enough about you guys. They didn't give a fuck about me, but they know how much you love me, so they're bringing me you. Look at that, right? How's, how, how great is that philosophy? They don't they fucking don't like me at all, but they love you guys, and they know how much you love me, so they bring me you. Look at that. These two dudes, it's like superpowers. Fuck. Kuwait and Seattle with a crazy-ass Thor Hulk Captain America fucking wrist-lock handshake, and the two of them with capes. Jeremy's wearing a cape right now as he hobbles around my goddamn house and spills crumbs and doesn't drink all of his water. What the fuck, man? If I give you a bottle of water, finish it. Don't fucking come to my house and try to get free water and then leave drops in the bottom I recycle these bottles I want to go there and see Javier look at me in the face and go hey que este mucho de agua and I'll be like yeah no fucking kidding right the fucking guy came to my house he left it in the damn bottle and he's gonna go hey no es bueno I go yeah right no es fucking bueno and he says Señor Emerald they go yeah that's fucking Emerald Goddamn, Jeremy Herbal doesn't drink all of his fucking water droplets and now I come here I'm embarrassed Javier I'm embarrassed to bring this to you damn it and then he just opens up the cap and he dumps it forlornly on the ground and that fucking drop of water falls out of that plastic bottle like a fucking tear on an Indian's face and this fucking country is destroyed by people like you fucking to a throne if you're not gonna suck a dick.